Hey guys, it's Graham. The following episode is on the film Pieces. Now, we recorded this back in August of 2018, but due to scheduling issues, we couldn't get it up until now. We also haven't been able to record since August. It's now the first week of October. I figured it'd be a good time to throw it up because it is a horror movie, and October is a month full of great horror films. Um, we hope you enjoy it. We also hope you enjoyed our TIFF adventures where I went around the festival, saw 15 films, and reported back on them. So, without further ado, here is our episode on Pieces. It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. But there will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death. My video Welcoming you back to yet another fun-filled episode of Fantastic Cinema. Now, what were we talking about before I so gracefully cut you off? No, we were talking about, uh, you were talking about Blood Brothers in there, how they were playing. So we started off with Lillian singing Switching to One in the vein of Switching to Glide by the Kings. Hamilton's own, one of my favorite uh, power pop songs from the early 80s. It was, all, it was paired as the second part with um, This Beat Goes On. Which I goes on, this beat goes on and on it goes on this beat. Remember how it goes? Oh, I know. On and on and on and on. And the great thing is now I can put that in. I love that track, though. I love. Sw- I prefer the switching to glide portion more than the beat goes on portion. I am super stoked because today we are watching one of my favorite B-horror films of all time. It is 1982's Pieces, all the way from Spain, set in Boston, starring uh, Christopher George and Linda, Linda Day and some other people. I have a lot of notes on this movie, but I want to actually get into that. Bluto from Popeye. Bluto from Popeye. I will get into that, too. I've got, uh, I don't want to go through all the uh, trivia I have for this film because there are some spoilers in it, so we're just going to, I'm going to save the trivia for when we come back after watching it. So before we get any further along, guys. Video Nasty Pieces. Yes, Band in Britain. Until 1992, I think. Was when I, finally, I guess so. Yeah. It's still ed- like it's still like edited there. Uh, it's currently um, we're gonna be watching the remastered Blu-ray from Grindhouse releasing, which they did a beautiful, beautiful job. And I believe Grindhouse releasing actually owns the rights to it in North America in perpetuity. So there will always be a wonderful restored version of it available for sale, purchase, or streaming. Uh, I mean, legal streaming that is through American Netflix or Canadian. Um, I think it's on Canopy. Um, yeah, it is. It's on Canopy and on Shudder. Um, so, guys, have we seen anything interesting since we last recorded? Phil? Yes. I, uh, hanging out at uh, my old my old haunt, uh, the Royal Cinema, ah, yes. I caught a screening of uh, the 1978 uh, Jamaican reggae film Rockers. Ah, nice. Yes, part of the Royal Stomp Box program. Yeah, it was also co-presented with uh, Caribbean Tales. Uh, it's like a Caribbean film programming series. Oh, cool. like a mini festival at the Isn't, Royal. Is Caribana coming up soon? Yes, it is. 
Yes. This weekend, yes. Yeah, it's, I think it's always the first weekend of August. I, I never know. And I caught um, in 35mm, this is a rewatch, uh, but first time on the big screen, uh, Vengeance is Mine. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's part of the Eastern Promises screening series at the Royal. It's a Shohei Imamura film. Nice. What else did I watch? Um... I saw with you uh, Deep Cover. Oh, yeah. We saw that last night. That was a fantastic film. Yeah. It was... Uh, I didn't realize it was such a political movie, but it is. It's mm-hmm. It's also very off the wall, but in a really oh, good yeah, way. Oh, yeah. It's so over the top. I I think that, that film is when Larry became Lawrence. Yes. it was. I think it was probably the last movie where he was billed as Larry Fishburne. And then, By the end of it, though, he emerged as Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. Yeah. I, I think... I think his debut as Lawrence Fishburne was in What's Left Got to Do With It as Ike Turner. I was going to say, yeah. Ah. Yeah. And um, I watched part one and half of part two of Lone Wolf and Cub. Ooh, nice. Part two, uh, Baby Cart and River Sticks makes up probably like 70% of Shogun Assassin. Yeah, I was going to say, we've watched the films combined into one of Shogun Assassin. Though, Lily, you missed that episode, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure out a way for you to watch in, it soon. In, in more ways than one I've missed, yes. I know. Oh. I gotta check it out. Yeah, that's like one of my favorite films now, Shogun Assassin. Shogun Assassin, I gotta, yeah. I gotta be honest. I keep on thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, like, the, they're not... Those movies aren't really two distinct entities. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they, get, they definitely bleed into each other. Yeah. I'm interested to see the Americanized Shogun Assassin 2, which I think was part three. Okay. But just dubbed, but without the, the awesome score of Shogun Assassin. Yeah, because they shot all those back-to-back. Um, four of the six were done by the same director, and the first four came out in 1972. Wow. And they're 80 minutes long each. Yeah. They, and the Criterion transfer is... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so good. And uh, that's all you've seen, Phil? Uh, yes. Cool. Kit, what have you seen since we last recorded? I've only seen one movie. Which is? It was Friday the 13th, part 7. The, the New, New Blood. Blood <laughs> at one of Graham's uh, barbecue bashes. Yeah. Um, just, just down the street from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, saw it on the, uh, saw it on the old bed sheet. The bed sheet big screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, much better sound this time around. Uh, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was something. Oh, yeah. I feel like the... Um, the filmmakers wanted to make something almost unwatchable, um, <laughs> but the censors <laughs> packed them down from that cliff. <laughs> they turned into uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know. It, I mean, I know it would be cheesy '80s gore, but like seeing mm-hmm. a man's head get crushed and all of that, even seeing the woman um, get tossed around in that sleeping bag and smashed into a tree a few times. So in the no, that was only once that she okay. hit the tree. But guess what? In the original version. It was like four or five times, and yeah, by the end, the, by the end, the, uh, the the the, the, um, the sleeping bag was all bloody at one end because the blood <laughs> it like seeped down to the bottom. It's not the first movie to feature a sleeping bag murder. If you've seen the movie Prophecy from 1979, I haven't, but I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, like this chupacabra type uh, creature. Uh, like somebody like hops out of and like a sleeping bag just like zipped up and then like this creature just like, like smacks the person in the sleeping bag and then the sleeping bag explodes and it's just a mess of feathers. Nice. So there's a, it's a widely viewed uh, YouTube clip. Ah, in the 2009 reboot of Friday the 13th, 
there was another sleeping bag death, which was way more grim and gruesome. I must have seen it because I saw that movie, but I don't remember. Yeah, it's where they, the, the person, Jason, ties the sleeping bag up on a tree over a fire, and the person is trapped inside. And so, like, when the, the fire burns through the sleeping bag, they fall down into the fire and die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Rings yeah. a bell. Fun times. But anyway, this one was uh, was okay. Uh, I think we've discussed mm-hmm. it on the podcast before for long-term, long-time listeners. Um, I guess it's Carrie versus Jason is how you would describe yeah, it. Yeah, Jason versus Carrie. Yeah, it was fine. It was fun. A fun night was had by all. The guy, the guy from Weekend at Bernie's is in it. Yep. As a Bernie doctor. from Weekend at Bernie, Bernie's. As the a titular character. Yep. Sans mustache. <laughs> Sans mustache. So, yeah. although I've seen him in lots of stuff, I uh, yeah. What's his What's his What's his name, Phil? Uh, Cherry Kaiser. Terry what else Kaiser. is he known for? Apart from playing a dead guy in movies, he's been in other stuff. I just don't recall. I, I'm sure, like some random episodes of TNG and and other network shows, yeah, he'll, he'll pop up. up. And, um, but anyway, that's it. I haven't seen anything else. Cool, Lillian. What have you seen since we last recorded? Um, I've seen a bunch of stuff. I can't really recall anything to mind, but yeah, it was fun to watch Jason, uh, Friday the 13th, part seven. Um, it was pretty much Jason versus Carrie. But by the way, I never quite got what the new blood of the title was, um, it referring was, to. It was just, hey, we're totally doing, here's another new, see, like, so it's completely part, meaningless. No. Part, here's the thing. Parts 4, 5, and 6 form a trilogy known as the Tommy Jarvis trilogy because they all feature the character of Tommy Jarvis. So part 4, Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis kills Jason. Part 5, some other actor as Tommy Jarvis goes to a, uh, a halfway home for, for mentally challenged or for, for uh, disturbed youths and is set up to become the next Jason. However, that gets erased. And in part 6, the great Tom Matthews plays, uh, plays, plays Tommy Jarvis and he accidentally resurrects Jason and then, uh, you know, traps him at the bottom of Crystal Lake. And so the whole purpose of the New Blood is that they finally let go because parts two, three, and four are all over. To, uh, they all take place over the span of two days. Okay. So, like, because part two is on Friday the 13th, 19-whatever, 80, I think. And then part three is Friday the 13th, or is Saturday the 14th. Par- and part They should have four. called it that then. No, oh, they, they would a bunch not. of liars over there. <laughs> That's true. And then Friday the 13th, part four was Sunday, su- was the Monday the 16th, 16th actually. Okay. They, they, yeah. They oh, they skipped Sunday. Sunday. They skipped Sunday. Too holy. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Jason, Jason goes to church. <laughs> <laughs> part 3.5. Point, yeah, 3. yeah, there's a good Saturday the 14th meme where it's just like Jason watching cartoons and he's got his machete and his <laughs> hockey uh, by his side and his hockey mask is hung up on the coat hanger. That's about right. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. So I looked up the timeline because I was I was uh, spoiler alert. I watched part eight yesterday. Um, That's with, not a spoiler. With Phil, Phil Sportel. <laughs> um, and I swear, Lillian, we'll get back back to what you watched in a second. But um, uh, I was I was realizing that the timeline of the series is interesting because parts two, three, and four all take place over the same like weekend. Wait, you watched Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight? Yesterday, yeah. Okay. In the middle of the day. All right, all right. Sorry, I didn't invite you. <laughs> no, no, that's not why I asked. I just, uh, I thought that's what I heard. I just wanted to make sure. So I realized that. So Tommy Jarvis ages between part four and five considerably. He goes from being uh, a boy under the age of ten to being 
uh, you know, a uh, a teenager, and then by part, um, part uh, part six, he's like in, in his early twenties. Um, and I actually looked it up. So apparently, part six takes place in nineteen ninety. Part seven, with and part six came came out in nineteen eighty six. Part seven takes place ten years later in the year two thousand. When did that come out? Uh, 88. 88. I didn't I didn't see any flying cars. I know. Although I didn't see any flying cars in the real 2009. I know. So. But that's the thing. Like, no one ever, like, paid attention to, like, the... So maybe they were the super dates. accurate and they knew yeah. what they were doing. Yeah. 80s fashion stayed the same. Yeah. <laughs> and then, in uh, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, it's, like, 2003. So it's crazy because all those movies came out in the 80s. Yeah. Wow, he takes Manhattan after 9-11. What an asshole. I know. And the Twin Towers are still standing <laughs> in Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> it's a hopeful movie then. Yeah. Sorry, Lil, what else have you watched since we last recorded? No, no. Why don't... Uh, what have you been up to, Graham? Why don't you tell us? No, no, no. Tell me. What else have you seen? No, I really can't recall right now. I was trying to remember. See, this is why I keep a little book of all the films I've seen. Get ready. This is the part where, uh, like, the our listeners, I think, are looking forward to this. Our co-hosts are sighing internally. <laughs> it's just, I don't know how you managed to see so many movies. And we, it's only been a week. I haven't been able to see one. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so I watched, you know what, I've only seen one, two, three, four, five, six. Six movies in the last week. Let's hear them. Okay, um, I watched Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolorama, which is a movie I've been meaning to see for a long time. It stars Linnea Quigley. It's directed by David Dakota. It also stars uh, Michelle Bauer and Brink Stevens. And so all three of them are known as, like, the three direct-to-video 80s scream queens of the 80s. And this is only one of two films where they all appear together. The other one is Nightmare Sisters, also directed by David Dakota the following year. Uh, it's the story, you know, the age-old story of a bunch of uh, jerk uh, college students that go, uh, male college students, that go to watch the initiation of the um, some sorority, hence sorority babes, they get caught, and therefore, as part of the final challenge for as them getting forgiveness from the the heads of the sorority and the sorority sisters that are being initiated, have to sneak into a bowling alley, hence the bowlerama, and steal a bowling trophy. And so they sneak into this bowling bowling alley, which is actually owned by one of the heads of the sorority's father. So they sneak in as well and are watching them on security cameras. They take a, they go to steal the um, the trophy, and they accidentally drop it. It opens up, and it turns out that the trophy is actually the secret container for a three thousand year old imp. And when it comes out, it grants them wishes, but it's like the monkey's paw because be careful what you wish for. And so Linnea Quigley is playing this, like... So uh, instead of God, like in Prince of Darkness, it's... Uh, it's, it's a little imp. Okay. It's a, it's a hand puppet that sounds like a jive preacher. <laughs> Come on, Barry, you know what I want. That doesn't sound problematic at all. No, it's, it's, it's great. Um, <laughs> anyways, it was a funny movie, a fun, super fun movie, and I'm so glad I got to watch it. It was fun. Uh, Linnea Quigley, it's interesting because it... There was a video essay on Linnea Quigley on YouTube a while ago that described her character, her evolution. She appeared earlier in our podcast in Graduation Day, which also features Christopher George from Pieces. Um, but she, early on in her career, was just the naked bimbo. She was the girl that would take her top off and then get killed. In Return of the Living Dead, she was the punk rocker that danced naked on top of a tombstone. Silent Night, Deadly Silent Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. She's the girl that answers the door topless only for her to have our homicidal Santa Claus ram her into some deer antlers. 
coming up this December on Death by Video, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1. Um, and and in Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama, she actually completes her transition from being a just piece of eye candy to being the hero because she is the punk rocker that's breaking into the bowling alley to rob the tills while the story real the college kids are and she has to team up with like the dorky college kid that never wanted to go on this stupid panty raid anyways to to recapture not only escape but recapture the imp to keep it safe there's a great moment where they find the janitor locked in a closet and he explains like oh man you took that bowling trolley that contains that 3000 year old imp that I locked up 30 years ago and they're like wait shouldn't you have like moved this away and he's like I'm a janitor at a bowling alley what am I supposed to do um great moment uh moving on I watched the film Taurus Trap uh which is a it's described by Joe Bob Briggs as being the most 80s movie ever to be shot in the 1970s uh, it's a fun little uh kind of slasher kind of not it was a big inspiration on Rob Zombie's House with Thousand Corpses um, yeah, it's fun. I watched Sleepaway Camp again, which I am a huge fan of that movie. Um, and, uh, uh, that ending gets me every time. I watched the aforementioned Friday the 13th Part 7 with all of you guys on, uh, our barbecue night. By the way, Woo-hoo. uh, and then last night with Philip Bardak, I watched Deep Cover at the Royal, which was a very fun, uh, screening to go to, starring, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, it was, uh, presented and by... Goldblum. And Jeff Goldblum. as a drug kingpin. Oh wow, that sounds awesome! It was pretty good. Like he actually kind of got a little terrifying. It was before Jeff. It was it was just before Jurassic Park came out, so it was before Jeff Goldblum became he was a meme of himself. Terrifying in the fly as well, but no, I guess but a different in, not, way. Not in a like I'm going to smack you upside the head and shoot you in the the kneecap way. Yeah, no, not quite that way. Yeah, because you have like a bit of like the trademark Jeff Goldblum, and then you got like slimy Jeff Goldblum, and then you have sinister Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he goes for an evolution for sure. Slimy would be in the uh, the big chill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's got a solid soundtrack on Deep Cover, too, if I recall yes. correctly. Yeah. Have you so seen Deep a- Cover? No, no. I, I it just, does, yeah. There was a great yeah. Dr. Dre uh, Snoop Dogg collaboration over the end yeah, credits. Yeah, that was Snoop Doggy Dogg's rap debut. This is right. The song came out before The Chronic came out. Interesting. So it's kind of like how Tupac had his... 187 on a... 187 on a... 187, yeah. On an undercover cop. That's right. Yeah, well, I'm guessing that it's uh, it's similar to how Tupac debuted on nothing but on the Nothing But Trouble soundtrack. Yeah, which is still weird to think of. <laughs> We're never watching Nothing But Trouble on this podcast. That movie is disgusting. Like it, it like it, it makes me want to vomit to watch it. I, I only saw it in bits and pieces on City TV. Pieces? Did you say pieces? I did say pieces. Oh my God, that's our secret word. Movie guys. Yeah, it's time to get to the movie. That was our secret word, pieces. <laughs> wow, look at all this confetti and these bells going on. It's quite something. Oh, there's pieces everywhere! I've never seen Nothing But Trouble, but I watched that Digital Underground video. Yeah. And there are enough unfortunate clips where I'm like, this is nightmare fuel. It's, an, it's, an, it's just an ugly film. It's something that, like, I, like it, it does make me feel nauseous to watch it. It's just an ugly, ugly movie. I feel like that might have killed Dan Aykroyd's career, but... Oh, it, it definitely put the last nail in the coffin. Because after that, he had Soul Man, I think. I mean, I, I guess... Well, he was in Driving Miss Daisy, and he'd do bits like that. Like, he'd be in, yeah. like... You'd find him in, like, I think he's in My Girl as he well. He is. He's really good in My Girl um, as the father of Dan. My Girl 2. Yep. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, he was in Blues mm-hmm. Brothers 2000, which... Jim Belushi refused to co-star. Yeah, how <laughs> this get made? Just did an episode. I know. Blues I Brothers listened to it. It was hilarious. Yeah, because they all love Blues Brothers one so much, and they're like, "But Blues Brothers two thousand, oh god." 
Oh, poor John Shot Goodman. Shot right here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I haven't seen 2000. I love the first one. So do I. Don't see 2000. Don't. I've never no. seen 2000. <laughs> I have. It's bad. I can imagine. I believe it, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's bad. I was nodding. Yes. Even even John Goodman doesn't doesn't save it. <sighs> no. Part of a problem, perhaps. No. no. Oh, well. Something just should be left. To, even John Landis, the director of the film, was kind of like, "We have made a terrible mistake by doing this." <laughs> he even because like every time like something like because the studio was like, "You can't be R-rated," and they're, and they're like, "Oh crap, you can't do this, you can't do that," and Dan Aykroyd was just like telling John because John Landis explained the story like Dan Aykroyd said like. Maybe he meant it in a way like maybe maybe we should have left it alone. Maybe he just didn't need a sequel. Maybe not so much what the outcome of the 2000 was, but maybe just in retrospect he was like, uh, maybe we should not. <laughs> Lillian, are you defending this yeah. film that you haven't even seen? Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because I feel like there's got to be something in it that, uh, you know, it's got to land a little bit at least. Well, here's the thing. Here's what the point I was getting to was John Landis said it was a mistake to make it, but he said the one great thing about it was he got so many good musicians in it just before they died. Like John oh, yeah, Lee Hooker, B.B. Sure. Uh, King, Bo, um, Diddley. Bo Diddley. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's so many. Like, it is a... Apparently, like, the soundtrack is actually good. Like, I had friends in high school that owned the soundtrack and would listen to it religiously. I'm like, have you even seen this movie? And they're like, no, but the soundtrack's great. So, yeah, it's... Um, it, and that's what what Dan Aykroyd kept saying is like, well, the music will save it. The music will save it. The music didn't save it, but it uh, it definitely helped. Silver lining. Yeah, silver lining on a very 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 gray cloud. And on that note, let's watch a movie with many silver linings and zero gray cloudness. We'll be right back after we watch Pieces. Dun dun dun. Warning: What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined, and you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. Pieces, absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. And we're back. That was Pieces. It was. Yes, it was. <laughs> wow. Oh my god, I can't wait to talk about this movie. AKA so, Boston Chainsaw Massacre. Boston Chainsaw Massacre. Because as the tagline for the there's normally it's very rare that a movie would have one good tagline, but this one has two good taglines. The first one is pieces. You don't have to go to Ch- Texas to have a chainsaw massacre. The second one is pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. I think both were right. I would agree. Okay. I'm going to run through some trivia first because some of it was spoiler, spoilerific before uh, we did it. Uh, the film was directed by Juan Piquer Simon, who's directed 15 feature films, including Supersonic Man, The Rift, starring Ray Wise and Arlie Emery, Ermi, uh, Mystery in Monster Island, and his most well-known movie, Slugs, which will be a future Death by Video episode. Uh, Slugs is, yeah, it's his most well-known. His most recent film is 1999's Manola, The City of Gold. He learned directing uh, from watching Sergio Leone direct The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on set. So he was on the set of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, where he watched Sergio Leone direct Clint Eastwood and Eli Wallach and Lee Van Cleef and all those wonderful people. He, um, He owned his own independent film studio in Spain and designed many of the special effects used in his films. He retired from filmmaking in the year 2000 and worked as the co-director of the Mediterranean Film Festival. 
he unfortunately passed away in 2011 at the age of 76. Um, the film was written and produced by Dick Randall, who is a European exploitation film Hall of Famer. Fake name. That's not real name. It's not real a real name. name. Real name. No. Dick Randall the, doesn't the, exist. Richard R- Randall. Uh, it was. Good uh, It there. was co-written by John Shadow. I don't know if that name was real or not. Uh, He's the Shadow. <laughs> Dick Randall produced 55 feature films between 1961 and 1991. Some of the choice titles are Cotton Pickin' Chicken Pickers, King of Kong Island, The Mad Butcher, The French Sex Killers, Frankenstein's Castle of Freaks, The Erotic Adventures of Robinson Crusoe, The Death Dimension, Crocodile Fangs, For Your Height Only, The Urge to Kill, The Real Bruce Lee, and The Clones of Bruce Lee. And because he was involved in such Bruce uh, exploitation. That's quite a lineup of movies, of titles. I know, and there's only a small sampling of the them. The Clones of Bruce Lee. <laughs> the Clones of Bruce Lee. Um, which we might do on a future episode. We haven't done any Bruce exploitation. Except for No Retreat, No Surrender. That's possibly. true. That was our very first episode, No Retreat, No Surrender. We might, as a, well, we'll see. I, I, I want to revisit that movie. Or I want to at least find No Retreat, No Surrender Part 3, Blood yes. Brothers. And then we'll all be drinking Blood Brothers while watching Blood Brothers. Um, so you guys really warmed up to that place, huh? You're like all, all about the Blood Brothers again? Yeah, it's good. They changed up. They they added a little bottle section on the weekend. So like when it's overrun with people, they like sell bottles in the back, so you don't have to like fight with them to get to the uh, the the cashier. Yeah, at the front. all those people at the tasting bar. You know, they are just uh, they're just really? beer. Was it really so ones. bad though? Was it really an ish? It was. It, yeah, it got to that point where it would be like it was a bit of an ish. Yeah, yeah, super yeah, it's, ish. It's pretty crowded. Yeah, exactly. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Um, so because Dick Randall is a producer of the Bruce Bloitation films, uh, a cameo for the Bruce Lee imitator Bruce Le, L, spelled L-E, uh, is in the film, even though the scene makes no sense in the context of the rest of the film. And I think it's the one scene, even though there were so many films, uh, scenes in this film that made you go, what, uh, like WTF, this scene was the most WTF of WTF scenes. It made no sense at all. Yeah, we'll get to it because it's awesome. Um... <laughs> Yeah, bad and chop a suey. Problematic, yes. Oh, s- little problematic, super problematic. <laughs> um, oh, the, the guy attacks a woman and blames it on bad. Uh, what was it? Bad chops. Bad chop suey. <laughs> uh, the film stars jo- uh, Christopher George, who was in Graduation Day, featured way back in the Death by Video episode number eight. He plays Lieutenant Bracken, who is the incredibly inne- who is a cre- incredibly inept as a police officer and as a human being. He can never get that cigar lit. He's useless. Totally, and he he is so useless that he enlists the help of Kendall, played by Ian Sarah, who's, who's, just, a, who's a college, who's a college kid. student, that, he's like a like a junior in college. That's just and he himself, other than his ability to get laid, is useless. And also a suspect in the case, yeah, for like, most obviously. of the time, yeah. Um, but um, this lieutenant character does look like he could be Willem Dafoe's dad. So what his ability to get laid? Who was he? Uh... He was Kendall getting laid. He was getting laid quite a lot in the film until Kendall? yeah, yeah. Until the murder started happening, he was. Phew. Oh, I totally missed that. But the 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 cop undercover that he was paired up with, she was she was digging him. She was she yeah. was digging him. The interesting thing. So that was Linda Day, who is the actual real life wife of Christopher George, and it's been rumored, although not proven, that they uh, took the job of doing pieces only so that they could get a free tri- a free trip to Spain. So that's legit. Yep. It's why Michael Madsen takes mm-hmm. a lot of movie roles. Too legit to quit. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the interesting thing is that um, apparently Chris, uh, Christopher George and Linda Day didn't, since they were not present during any of the, the murder scenes in the film, they were unaware of its graphic content, so Linda Day was kind of like, what? When the movie came out. Really? Yeah. I find um, that a little hard to believe. It does happen. That's, oh yeah, it's happened. Like for instance, uh, thinking like Caligula. Or, but she must have known that they'd be all dismembered and spliced up and stuff. No, not really. No. Oh. Yeah, it's probably just like an average murder mystery, not necessarily a gory one. Like yeah, you gotta keep that mic like, at your yeah, fo- face. It's like have the people. Oh, I mean, she knew that they'd be spliced up, but she didn't think that it would be shown. Yeah. Right? Is that yeah. what you mean? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like half the people mm-hmm. who made Caligula didn't realize they were doing a hardcore porn. Yeah. <laughs> or. <laughs> Or the actor, uh, I forget his name, the British actor in Lucio Fulci's Zombie, he didn't he didn't actually see the finished film until he recorded the audio commentary for it in, like, 1999. And when he did and saw all the graphic violence and gore, he was like, what did I do? What was I a part of? And also the dude who played uh, Tommy Jarvis in Part 5, he went full method, like, playing, like, a kid with PTSD, yeah. and he had no idea he was making a horror movie, and then he felt super duped after. Yeah, he thought that he was he was making a, a drama about PTSD, which would be appropriate. Yes? Kit? What was that? Oh, nothing. Just, like, I, I can't believe he was duped that badly. Um, did you ever see the, um, the original... Uh, cut Mil Gritos Tiene Le Noche. No, I haven't. I should watch it though. It's a full three minutes longer. Ooh, interesting. I wonder what's different. Mm. Gritos, my shouts, my screams. Tiene what? Mil Gritos Tiene Le Noche. The night? My screams the night. The night has my. The night has my scream. Well, here. Yes, it's, it's always good that Lillian, uh, we have. A I, I probably person. butchered the pronunciation. So actually, actually, Lillian, you're you're multilingual. You, yeah, you're you're quadlingual. Ah, mil, mil, mil gritos tiene la noche. The night has uh, a thousand screams. The night has a thousand screams. Ooh, I like. The night of a thousand. The screams. night of a thousand. Well, it happened in yeah. more than one night, so that's yeah. kind of an incorrect title. But I do like the. Uh, that's a good title. That's though. a good title. Yeah. So, um, so Linda Day plays Mary Riggs, who is a championship tennis player that became a police detective somehow. Um, and she then goes undercover as the tennis instructor at the this university, or maybe tennis professor, because they have a kung fu professor. Well, apparently, apparently being a tennis star doesn't pay very well, because when uh, yeah. when the university kid he's he's all starstruck and he sees her, and she's like, "This is what I do for a living." Yeah, I'm, I'm just a cop. Oh <laughs> man, pushing these pencils, you know, while playing championship chip tennis on the side. It's her day job. Um, so the interesting thing is that no one in this film could play tennis including Linda Day so they had to bring in a actual championship tennis champion to choreograph any tennis scenes to make it look like they they could do the barest minimum of tennis like it's There's all like two tennis scenes in the yeah, entire film and they're very slow and as I pointed out she serves a tennis ball underhanded which you cannot that's not a serve you serve overhanded and in a singles match, it lands uh, outside of the inner line, which is considered out for a singles match. It's in for doubles, out for singles. Um, I guess tennis was a very integral part of the story. It was for me, um, which I revealed to you guys that I took several years of tennis six, lessons. Six years of tennis lessons. Yeah. We had no you idea. We did not know that. Um, the film also. something new every day. The film also features Paul L. Smith, who plays groundskeeper Willard, a.k.a. Red Herring. Um, A.k.a. Willard. Willard. Um, Groundskeeper Willard, everybody. (laughs) 
I know, it's a pretty clever one. I thought it was a clever when I came he, up with He's that. the guy that plays Bluto in another film, and you yep. can tell right away. He, and man, I loved that. This is my favorite part of the movie, was this guy. His reactions? Every he just, time he's on screen, he's amazing. Yeah, he just looked guilty. Every like, Even when he was just like coming out of a doorway, he looked like he was very guilty of doing something. I wonder if he actually has a lazy eye, or if it... Uh... I think he played it up. Okay. Um, he actually well, he, has... He looks like he's winking at the camera every single time <laughs> like, he's on screen. We both know what movie we're in. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I am the killer. <laughs> the killer. It's hey not him, by the way, but... Um, no, but he actually has the most respectful filmography of everyone of any actor in the film. He worked with Robert Altman, Richard Donner, and David Lynch. Well, who wouldn't want to work with this guy? What what David Lynch movie was he in? He was in Dune. Ah. Mm-hmm. Which Richard Donner movie? Uh, oh, Maverick. Right, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, in the only trailer released for the film, the one that I showed you guys afterwards, uh, one of the final shots shows the chainsaw killer approaching the camera. As this happens... There is a scream. This scream is actually the scream of Janet Lee in the shower in Psycho. They stole it and put it in the trailer. I love this movie. Um, uh, it's set in Boston, but shot entirely, even though it says it was shot in Boston, Massachusetts, and Madrid, Spain. That's not true at all. It was actually shot entirely in Valencia, Spain. Well, they eat Wendy at, in one point. Yes, Wendy they, food. Wendy yeah, hamburgers. So they, they get some fast food, and it's like Wendy's, Wendy's <laughs> but, it's only, but there's no S. It's Wendy. So they ate at Wendy. Um, or they ate Wendy. Um, there's a scene in the film where a girl urinates in the presence of a chainsaw. Um, that scene was uh, not fake. It was actually based on, kind of inspired by it. So the actual actress was terrified because they were using a live chainsaw. There were lots of live weapons in this film as well. They used a live chainsaw to cut through the door, which she was leaning against, which caused her to urinate in her pants, and they included it in the film. Yeah, we found out yeah, from a really classy. We, we found out from uh, a hidden special feature that the guys behind this film were skis bags. Super. Oh, I actually kill surprise. <laughs> I actually think here's the thing because it, it repeatedly when I was going through the the notes on this film, uh, the director would raise an, a concern about safety, and apparently the producers would just like, Pah, forget that. Come on, you coward. Like, just shoot this. Because he didn't want to use a real chainsaw. He didn't want to use a real knife in certain scenes. Because there are certain scenes where the killer swings a knife and it, like, sticks into a wall next to a person's face. And it was a real actor and a real knife. And there were actual moments of injury on this film. Um, The end scene, spoiler alert, uh, somehow the reassembled corpse of a bunch of the different victims uh, rips out the rips the crotch of the uh, the hero uh, the, the, oh, yeah. of Kendall. Really doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> I just at all. Remember that scene? Thank you. Oh man. Um, and how they did it was the guy, the actor was wearing a cup. He was wearing jeans on top of it with a blood packet between his you know his business and the jeans. And the actress that grabs his crotch to crush it had razor blades attached to the inside of her hand, which was supposed to slice through the jeans to let the blood packet out. However, it actually wound up cutting his groin somewhat. Um, and so every time... Little things like that would happen throughout, right? Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure the the, pers- the old pervy man we saw in the special features was actually, the, was actually Dick Randall himself. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Aptly Dick Randall. So, <laughs> let's talk about pieces. Let's go. Scene one, shot run... Take it away. Who wants it? Kit. 
Uh, well, it's a little boy putting together a puzzle. Yes, and if you got the special edition Blu-ray that, that Grindhouse Releasing put out, it actually comes with the same puzzle that was in the movie. It is a puzzle of a naked lady. It is a naked lady puzzle. Um, and with a few blood smears on it. No, not yet. After oh the the puzzle that comes with yes the puzzle that came with my when he's first when we first see him making the puzzle there's no blood smears just some hot nudity a very anachronistic looking puzzle considering that this movie opens in the 40s I would assume yeah yeah there's bush and everything (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying it feels right (laughs) I don't know if they were showing that much Um, kid just like had to throw yeah yeah there's bush and everything. But, uh, so his mom cat comes in, she catches him making the puzzle, and she's like, your father was just like you! And, and then starts she, calling she, him No, up. but she picks up a frame photo of his father and throws it against the mirror, which promptly smashes. She, I don't, I, like, the term overreact doesn't really do her justice, because she starts like, go get me a plastic bag, I'm gonna burn everything! But why would you burn it in a plastic bag? That's just gonna create a worse, whatever. <laughs> um, and then her last, her basically her last words, I think she says a little bit more, she's like, hurry up, stupid! And then he comes back with, with, a, an, uh, axe. with an axe, and he chops at her in her head. Kills her. And kills her brutally. He's, he's like 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. Um, and then it's basically Ted Cruz as a child, as we uh, later discussed. Ooh. This is... <laughs> I didn't agree to that. <laughs> um, and then he gleefully chops her up, big smile on his face, uh, blood everywhere. Uh, there's some woman who's trying to get into the apartment. I believe it's the nanny. The nanny. Uh, eventually, she gets so concerned, she calls the cops. They bust the door down, and they just find blood everywhere. The cops have never seen then, so much blood. I know. And then they open up a closet, and there's his mother's severed his head. Mother's severed head. And the and the woman there kind of reacts like she's like, oh no, like she she kind of undersells the reaction. She, too. Yeah, she's there the whole time. Like they see the blood on the ground, they're not like, oh, you you better you better stand back, lady. This is a crime scene. They're like, come in, come yeah, in, come help in. us out, take a look around. Um, then the little boy is in the closet crying, um, asking for his mommy, and then. And the cops are just tampering with the evidence. Yep. They're putting their hands on everything. But you know, it was 1942, so, like, fingerprints were still a little sure. ways away. Yeah, it was the early days of forensics. Anyway, so that's that. Uh, he's got an aunt somewhere. The the nanny is like, I know what to do with him. He's got an aunt. He'll go live there. The poor little boy's witnessed such horror. I guess they think it's the dad or something. Well, no, the dad's away in the war because it's 1942. Well, they think somebody came in and did it. Yeah, and he did say, like, it was a big man. Um, and then cut to 40 years later. And he's, you see uh, leather gloves opening up a drawer and pulling out a flowered box and opening it. And then there's the mother's dress with blood on it, which has been saved all these 40 years. And spliced with this, you also see a gal skateboarding down the street. Having a grand old time. <laughs> Just waving at everybody. She's got one of those dinky plastic skateboards that have kind of come back in vogue now. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then you see a photo at the bottom of the box of the mother's face with a huge X in blood. We assume. <laughs> yeah, or lipstick. And there were also some bloody shoes in that box. So That's yes, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The bloody shoes were first. Yep. Um, so the girl's skateboarding around. You know, having a great time. Everyone's kind of like waving. They're like, oh, look at you. And then uh, these guys carrying a very big mirror out of a truck are like, it's the old, you know, Looney Tunes thing of like someone's on an out of control cart and these people are carrying glass or a mirror or something. And she rides towards the, the, the mirror and she's like, oh, no. And it smashes. 
and then we cut to a f- we cut back to the killer uh, putting you know, like now showing hey I've got all these pieces of the puzzle to make and it cuts to a flashback of his mother smashing the mirror in his bedroom which I realize now after nearly 17 years from the first time I saw this film that's what triggered the killer to start killing again because the mirror smashed and so the girl so he so he saw that he saw that because it happened on campus spoiler alert and that killer is on campus killer on campus but that's a very weird way of putting that together because uh i mean splicing it with him opening this box up in the middle of the night so i guess he just likes to open the box and have a look he does. We know that he does like to open these boxes because they are opened several times in the movie. They're, yeah, but even like before, it's some some worn boxes. He's he's taken them out. They look it's well. It's just not well clear used. that he witnessed that act for it to trigger. Well, that's I know. Well, it's the this, only thing that makes sense, though, this, I agree this with film, This film isn't but very. Yeah, cl- I'm very. I'm sure that's very well what happened. Okay. Well, it's just it's just this film doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that's where I. And it's okay. Okay. Thank you. Right. What? That doesn't and make it's sense. Okay. Like these little things like oh yeah I love this movie but um, but yeah that's that's my whole attitude is that like what I'm thinking is because again the filmmaking isn't so good in the start is that maybe him taking out the box maybe the girl skateboarding is a flashback that happens before he starts to take out the box and then it's the the, the mirror is the trigger because later on we see her studying in a field and we see this is our first instance of groundskeeper Willard showing up and he's got I love that man yeah he's got a chainsaw and she's like will you be doing that all day or if you are I'll have to go and and he's like won't take a minute ma'am but it's not groundskeeper Willard it's someone else with the chainsaw and a big coat and he cuts her head off and that's the first piece of the puzzle and the body's still the body's still moving after the the head's cut off yeah yeah. because people act like chickens when their heads are cut off wouldn't doubt it Mm -hmm. take it away Phil uh, what's the next scene? After uh, the mirror thing. After the mirror thing, and after the head decapitation. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, the oh cops show up to talk to the dean. Yes. And the dean. Um, well, we're actually introduced to our first red herring, Professor Brown. Right, the Mr. Professor. Turtleneck, Professor Brown, and. Uh, Lots of great turtlenecks and mustaches. Yes. Professor of anatomy. Professor of anatomy and anthropology. Yeah. And I didn't uh, know anatomy was its own whole department. <laughs> yeah, you you would think it would be part of the biology department. Yeah, I know. I love how it's anatomy, tennis, and kung fu. Kung fu. And the reason why he doesn't flinch at these dismembered bo- at the sight of these dismembered bodies is because he's the professor of anatomy. He's I know. I like it. He's used to these things. Because at a certain point, when a police officer says you're not really freaking out about this he's like well i see dead bodies all the time it's part of my job and then he comes out and then they're like the students that are having a laugh and yeah uh, they they, uh, one uh student she asks him professor what are the pectorals i don't know what they are and my friends say mine are all weird and this is obviously trying to get him to uh, be embarrassed, and, and he's like... I'm pointing at her boobs. Your per- pectorals are right here. He motions to himself, and he says, and you got nothing to worry about. So, yeah, that happens. Right. Yes, that does happen. <laughs> so then the cops are talking to the, the crusty old dean, this British guy who's like, him, 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 drinks tea and all that crap. Um, and he calls him Professor Brown and tells him, like, can you take our, our teacher, our cops here around to take a look? 
you know, it's uh, Lieutenant Bracken and detective other guy, the Leslie Nielsen esque guy. Huh? Yes. Slash Mel Gibson. Did you guys get a wave of Mel Gibson in there too? I, I didn't really see. Not really. I mostly no. saw like Leslie Nielsen circa airplane police mm. squad. And- yeah. Yeah, a very stern police detective. Like mixed with like an older Elliot Gould. Yes. Um, so then. Elliot <laughs> An old Elliot Gould. So then we cut to the uh, the library where we meet Kendall, our teen, or not teen, but college hero. Heartthrob. <laughs> Who definitely looks like a young Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. I, I was thinking more mm-hmm. like 80s Patrick Dempsey. Okay. Oh, what's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was a bit of both. But he's uh, he's studying and this girl throws him a note and the note says, I want to make love underwater. Meet me at the pool later. She has some shiny-ass pants on, too, by the oh, way. Yeah, oh, yeah, those God. jeans were, were sequined. They were sparkling. Um, and anyways, he throws away the note, but the killer he, picks yeah, up the he note. he crumples it up, throws it, and misses the trash can. And, and then we see uh, a gloved hand picking up the note. Yes. And then you, there's this first-person follows out the killer walking mm-hmm. first-person POV. Follows him to the girl that he was, like, exchanging notes with um and you see girl in the swimming pool yeah, undressing. she goes into the swimming pool she undresses them to a bikini and then starts swimming by herself um, her bikini bottoms only yeah and uh then she the killer like uses like appears in the pool and apparently she didn't notice that there was a big old chainsaw sitting in the windowsill right next to the pool no. um he, maybe it's usually there yeah sure that's that's where they leave the chainsaw right We're next to the pool and then and you see the killer dressed up as the shadow, from, which was yeah. a deliberate move, apparently. Yeah, it was a deliberate uh, influence. Um, and he comes out, uses a, a net that's used to, like... Clean pools. Clean pools to, like, snare the girl, drag her over, and then... There's, there's no way this net thing would work. And it's not used the way that you think it's going to get used. I thought he would legit wrap her head in the net, twist it, and drag her underwater. But no, but he, he just, didn't. He just put the net over her head above water and just kind of dragged her while she was gagging on air. <laughs> yeah, and then she could have like swam away or ran away while he was, you know, getting the chainsaw. Well, she's a little like she's unconscious she's when, when, yeah, when yeah. he finally gets her up. I don't and know. And then how. he gets the chainsaw and uh, starts cutting her up. And uh, this is the second piece of the puzzle, which is the torso. Um, at this time, I should point out, so, so a bit of the background. This film was actually shot in the depths of February, and it was incredibly cold while they were shooting this scene, and the water was apparently, like, bone-chillingly cold, and the actress nearly died of, uh, of, uh, of exposure, of hypothermia. Fun. Yeah. Fun fact. I know. Those uh, European exploitation filmmakers were not the most concerned with, uh, with human well-being. Um, especially when they started shooting films in the Philippines. Holy crap. Um, oh. No, go ahead. I was going to say, at this point, Kendall receives... This is our first... Uh, we meet who I think is the true hero of the film, Goggles, uh, shows up with uh, a note Larry from... Larry Schwartz. Schwartz, yeah, uh, who shows up with... He's mm-hmm. kind of like a young Dwight Schrute. Uh, yeah, a little bit, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still prefer Miss Goggles. So he shows up. And uh, which he only gets cold, his, go- his, his goggles, his, his glasses. He's, aren't he's the- got those child molester glasses. 
a whole like child molester like blue pants and like yeah, yeah. way too high yeah shirt what am I talking about uh Kendall's kid. friend yeah yeah oh okay the guy that brings him the note from the dean's office like I've been looking for you for half an hour and then he reads the note and he's like wait how long have you been looking for me he's like I said half an hour what do you where, why didn't you go to the thing oh I was with that other blonde girl oh what well, like, you get laid all the time. You you missed kind of like uh, when the oh. character introduces himself and he walks <laughs> and there's a girl studying and he's like, hey, Sandra, whatever her name is. Yeah. He's like, doing anything later? And she just looks at him. She glares at him. And, he's and like, then he's like, slayed by a withering look. <laughs> and he's like, who gives a shit? And then he keeps it goes about his business. I know. And then he, uh, he says to Kendall, like, oh, I hope it's not bad news. Is it? I could kill myself. And he's like, no, it's not bad news. He's like, oh, thank God. I'm too young to die. And you're like... This guy is like all over the map mood-wise. He's, he's, like he, he's a weird sense of humor he, guy. He's, it's all I, ironic. Yeah. I, I've known guys like this. He was pre... He, yeah, he mm. was pre-90s. Like, he would have fit in right away. And like, in 1993, 94, he would have been like the cool kid in school. Well, yeah, the, cool, the cool dork. Cool dork, yeah. I don't know if it was the dubbing, but like it sounded like he was just being really melodramatic rather than sarcastic. Yeah, and he was kind of like... I could tell it's one thing where the dubber was constantly trying to like fill words into his mouth because... This film, like a lot of foreign productions at the time, everyone just spoke their natural language and then they redubbed it later. So that's why, like, when it's like, oh, available in the original Spanish, I'm like, there was no original Spanish. Um, so, uh, much like, you know, the horror films of Italy, it's like, there's no original, it's not in its original Italian. There's no, that doesn't exist. Um, so then, uh, Kendall goes to the, uh, we see good old groundskeeper Willard, like, going to the pool to get his chainsaw. And he sees the chainsaw, and he's like, oh, that's weird. It's covered in blood. And he touches it and looks and sees With the... With suspicious eyes and everything. Like, like, looking at the camera, very like... shifty eyes. <laughs> was, it, was this me? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember if I killed this guy or not. He's right at us, like, every time we see him. Ah, <laughs> uh, framed again! I have a feeling that, that he might have been the only actor who was aware of what they were of what was going on. <laughs> looks like he's having fun. Yeah, he just kind of was like... I know hmm, what movie I'm in. I know what I am, and I know what I'm doing. Um, so at this point we see Kendall sees Willard and Kendall runs away and then Willard's like I gotta get out of here and then he runs after Kendall but somehow Kendall has two police officers that run through two, the two police like try and fight uh, Willard oh, yeah. Kendall comes in with a 2 by 4 and, and cracks it over Willard's head and Willard just like brushes it off like, it's nothing. Like, he's the Undertaker or something. This is a big scene. This is a big fight scene. Yeah, and he, like, throws cops around. He throws one cop into the water. He throws another. And then eventually the detective comes through and has to point a gun at the back of his head. And he's like, freeze or I'll blow your brains out. I'm so disappointed that Willard never was never a pro wrestler. I feel like he would have been a good contemporary of Captain Lou Albano or Andre the Giant. So. Yeah, I think it was because he was based out of Europe, though. The Bushwhackers. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because he was. Didn't they come a bit later though? They were late eighties, early nineties. Okay. Yeah. Mid nineties too. Um, they were fun fact about the uh, the bushwhackers. They were actually known as the sheep herders from New Zealand, and they actually were not a fun like loving ch child act. Always, it was only when they came to the WWF that they got like uh, family friendly. Because before then, they were like brutal, like bloody brawlers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Gosh, they used to just slap guys in the top of their heads and they'd fall over. That's all I remember. I know. And they yeah, used to do their... Because I, I remember them from, like, the late 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the old Bushwick. Yeah, Bush yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Bush their, their yeah. dance routine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was great. Sorry, what were you going to say, Lil, before I talked about wrestling? Oh, well, um... I think something that struck all of us was like, why is this kid even enlisted to help out? Like, and 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 in this scene that we were just talking about now, he's bossing two cops around. <laughs> he's always taking charge of scenes and yeah. not doing so in a good way. Well, like, he I doesn't. Know. 
ever do so positively. And it's like, what? Oh, it's because he knows everybody on campus. Oh, so this guy's a nosy motherfucker. Well, he knows everything that goes on. That's why they keep him there. I guess he's like a little rat or something. Yeah, yeah he just, I love but how that doesn't really do much. I don't know. I know he sleeps around. That's the, the lieutenant's like excuse. He knows everybody. It's like, you're police officers. You should not have, like, he's, like, ordering the police you around. You have one job. Yes, be the police. And he is just kind of like, but he's also going along with it. So at that point, him and Goggles go and meet up with the dean and the uh, the cops. And this is where our first time where Lieutenant Bracken meets uh, Kendall. And this is where we, the, our second last time of seeing Goggles for the rest of the movie. He shows up later on in a brief cameo. Um, and then Kendall goes to the police uh office where he meets uh a local psychiatrist who apparently is a profiler which i think this is the first time i actually like i actually looked it up i think this is the first mention of police profiling for a serial killer in a, in a film really? yeah i think this is the first time it was actually mentioned it's breaking all sorts of boundaries this film i know i know it's weird how like this film is like two steps forward one step back maybe one step forward two steps back but um it uh this is also where he meets uh linda day's character mary riggs um, the professional tennis champion who is also a police officer as a day job. And this is where we learn that she's going to be going to the university to go undercover as a tennis instructor. They were going to send two cops, but due to budget cuts, apparently, <laughs> they can only send like, one. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Just send her. She'll be fine. Um, go send her out as bait. And, like, they even know, like, yeah, I'm, she even says, like, yeah, I'm bait. But she's, like, super stoked because she's tired of this boring, like, desk job existence. She's also useless, by yeah. the way. All the cops in this movie are. Yeah. I think everyone in this movie is, even the... But they're still kind of charming, aren't they? Oh, yeah, like, you're rooting for them. Like, you don't want them to die, but you kind of are like, come on, guys, get your act in here. I love the cops. Like, the... Like there's the cutie patootie trying to light a cigarette all the time. Well, that's what I'm saying. When, uh, when the, the, the <laughs> Lieutenant Bracken, or uh, Willem yeah, Dafoe's yeah, dad, Yeah, Lieutenant Bracken is, like, like to, his, to his assistant. <laughs> Wait, well, he looks like Willem Dafoe's dad, like He's his warm father. He's constantly got a cigar, and he constantly asks his partner, like, hey, got a light? And his, and his partner's just like, Go just give it up. Yeah. yeah, just give it up, man. Like, he looks. He looks like the kind of person who would have a Zippo on him, but yeah. yet he no. doesn't even have. And like, well, it's also pretty, this movie also has a very anti-smoking bent to it because, like, very few characters in this movie, if any, smoke, which is very rare there's, for the there's time. There's one extra who smokes while watching the mm. tennis game, and that's like the only smoker in that's the so entire movie. so strange because you would you would expect cigarettes to be in the library. Oh, totally. You would expect cigarettes, like you know, especially like in the post-lovemaking scene that we see, mm-hmm. which we'll get Early to. Early 80s, you think cigarettes all over away, the place. But no, yeah. this was a very yeah, progressive film when it came to smoking. Europe, yeah. I know there'd be see, if this was early two thousands Europe there'd be cigarettes everywhere. But guys, it's not just the it's not just the cigarette thing. He was just a cute like a cute character. Like I don't know he if he ever sweet. even gets that cigarette cigar lit. I don't think he, he does. doesn't. I don't no, think we ever see doesn't. him smoke it. And Leslie yeah. Nielsen uh, is particularly anti-smoking later on in the movie. He's very he's like I don't want my environment to be contaminated. I feel like this is the director like writing in his little bit of like God. Damn it! I'm gonna I, save so many lives. I, I feel like he was like well, he's one of those like angry like ex-smokers. He used to be like a two-pack a day dude, yeah, and then yeah, he just yeah. went cold turkey. He's hey, like, why not, right? no smoking around here. Spread, spread the no smoking love. Yes. Why not? Exactly, isn't that right, Lillian? Yes. <laughs> Go at it. So anyway, there's some yeah. aerobicize going on. Oh yeah! Go for it. Uh, well, you're you're the aerobicized man. This yeah, is, this I am. Is your forte. I, uh, one of one of my one of my uh, very favorite sub sub genres of film is the um, the uh, a, the aerobics uh, set or themed horror film from the eighties. Uh, probably the the holy trilogy of which trilogy of which is Ninja Three: The Domination, right? 
Killer Workout, a.k.a. Aerobicide. Naturally, yep. And Death Spa. All three solid entries. This one has has a has a great aerobic scene, or it could be jazzercise, maybe. Well, remember in uh, Jason Goes to Hell, there was a brief cameo right. of the. No, no, that was that was. Uh, they were part watching four. part four. No, uh, no, Jason Goes to Hell. And Jason Goes. To... Oh, no, you might be right. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. In, right, in you're right, part you're right. four, the final yeah, chapter, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the 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 morgue attendant is watching. Morgue attendants. There's also morgue attendants in Jason Goes to Hell. That's yeah. Was there any aerobics in Blood Rage? Or am I imagine projecting? <sighs> No. Okay. No, there wasn't any aerobics in Blood Rage, unfortunately. But, uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this whole whole scene is set up to, like, this is actually an effective use of... Because uh, when we watched Friday the 13th Part 7 and then Part 8 yesterday, I really noticed that they had abandoned the effective use of tension building that was present in the early uh, Friday the 13th series uh, entries. And in this film, they use that tension building where, like, they'll separate a female off. She'll go through this, like, apparently the university that they're at has many small short hallways that lead to other small short hallways that eventually lead to the room you're going to and it's like a maze inside of a building so we see at the end of this or part of the way through this aerobics uh, session uh this one aerobics enthusiast has to go to the washroom or hit the john aerobics enthusiast (laughs) come on so the aerobics enthusiast, she um, it's aerobics enthusiast is you, well. Graham. She's she she asks her professor, her yeah, professor. If we had to call it that. Oh my professor god, professor of aerobics. I'm an aerobics <laughs> professor. I <laughs> think that this school makes money because they offer uh, programs that are nonsense. She's taking her masters in aerobics. I have a masters in aerobics. God damn it. They were like way ahead mm. of the curve. It's, that's why like post secondary education is now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyways. Uh, she go. It's a very, very long way, and we see, you know, the footsteps of the killer and his his loafers as he's like walking through the whole yeah, stocking. He's following her. And then it gets all the way down to like she's about to hit the to reach the washroom, and all of a sudden the door slams open, and she's like, ah! But it's like another person from her cl- her, uh, her class who actually got there sooner. And it's those like really infuriating scenes where the killer is walking really slow, really like taking his time. While the one that's running is like running down this hallway and that hallway and turning in this door and that door and just going here and there and everywhere, like you said, it's a maze. Mm-hmm. We, well, I think I think that actually has some basis in reality because when you're being pursued, you kind of are acting in panic, so you no, run no, the wrong no, way. I know, I know, it's awesome. But if you're the 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 predator, you move slow and steady and precisely. We forgot the introduction of the um, the reporter. Oh, here, right, Sylvia. the reporter. Yeah, Sylvia. Um, she doesn't really play a very important role except to remind us all that everybody's a ghoul in this film yeah no she also reminds us that like maybe you should tell people something's going on because the entire time the police the dean they the, all the know faculty, that murders are happening like, let's just keep this and quiet one of them is guilty as yeah, it turns out, it spoiler, turns out. Spoiler, spoiler. And, and the entire time everyone's like let's just keep this quiet let's not let the media know yeah, nobody wants the best wants. thing ever is so after we after um, she, she even grills lieutenant she's like what's going on on that campus and he's like nothing's going nothing's on going, what are you what, <laughs> what are, you, are you talking wait, about what do you mean something's going on have you heard something and then <laughs> death threats is normal we get them every week yeah, well, oh yeah, he said, like, there's rumors of a mass murder on campus every month. Come on. Um, so then she, when the tennis instructor goes to the school, she meets with the dean, and as she's walking with the dean, the reporter comes up, and the reporter knows that she is, here's the interesting thing, the reporter knows that uh, the tennis pro is a, a cop. A cop, yeah. But the dean doesn't know that the reporter knows that she is a cop. So this is an interesting thing. I don't know why my hand is doing this. <laughs> 
Graham, Graham's hand well, was doing What's interesting about that, Graham? Well, it's because at the end when she dies, oh, right, because she was following the the instructor. Sorry, we're jumping ahead. So anyway, she grills the dean on it, and the dean's like, I can assure you that absolutely nothing is going on on campus. Nothing out of the ordinary, that is. <laughs> and then he's like, I don't have time to talk. I have to go. And then she's like, but didn't you just say you wanted to talk to Mary? About he's like, I have to go! And he, like, storms away. Very suspicious. So dun, dun, dun. the reporter is only more and more intrigued. Mm -hmm. Cut to that night. Um, and our good old friend Kendall is uh, getting laid. Getting laid by a girl named Mary, but not, not Mary Riggs. Mary, so apparently yeah. he's just fallen in love with the name Mary. Yeah. See, this gives me a good uh, moment to do a needle drop of Mary Mary by Run DMC. Nice. Not along comes Mary. No. Then along came Mary. The wind cried Mary. The wind cries Mary. Proud Mary. Saint Mary by Rancid, one of my favorite. That's actually my favorite Rancid song. Uh, by uh, my, my Mary favorite. So contrary by Can. Oh my God. We're just we're just too clever, aren't we? Um, so then let's hit. Uh, oh yeah. So what this. What Kendall choose? I think. Run DMC. No, he's not cool enough for that. No. He's way too white and way too suburban. So, um, I think at this point... Oh, right, so he's in bed with the other Mary. Peter, who's, Paul, and Mary. Who's like, okay, and I need to tell the story. So, I'm watching this film in a theater. The second time I've seen it. This is back in, like, 2011, 2010, I think. And the person I'm seeing it with is not enjoying it at all. And he's just like, is this even an American film? And <laughs> Except that would be your, and I'm your like, main beef with it. I don't know... And then all of a sudden, Kendall gets up out of bed, and we see little Kendall. We see the full Kendall, and no, I was it's like, a full Kendall, "I'm yeah. like, no, it's European for sure, because that would not have flown in North America in an American film at that time." Um, and then what is it that Mary say like when? Because he's like, "You gotta keep it down, God darn it! The whole the whole block's gonna know." Oh, why didn't you gag me? I wouldn't Just say a word. Me. Then. And then you're like, <laughs> "Okay," <laughs> and you're like, "I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what kind of weird relationship do you guys have?" That scene was whack, and her expression too it was just killer. It was killer. It was, it was a WTF moment right there. And then for some reason, he looks out the window naked and sees um, sees undercover Mary walking down the street, and he's like, "Oh, that's uh, that's Miss Riggs. I gotta go like help her." And there's there's a wide shot, and the there's like a pot of flowers, and it's blocking his crotch like Austin yeah. Powers style. Which is after we've already seen everything. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, so uh, Mary is like investigating. Apparently, she's out with a flashlight at night, and she's walking down this like this is the, the, empty. The full extent of her cop work and undercover work on. She I'm does nothing walk, else. Yes, I'm gonna walk through this dark alleyway <laughs> at night, and that'll be the with my flashlight. And neither does anybody else. No, no, they're all useless. Yeah, the killer like, if someone with half a brain had been like, like noticed something, then the killer would have. No, oh, like, the, the, been done the, early. The, the clue that gets them like, oh, mm -hmm. this is definitely our man, is the simplest thing that's in his files. Oh, yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. Oh, his mother died suspiciously and violently when he was a child. <laughs> Let's go talk to him about it. And they would have found out that, like, oh, he's keeping a collection of female body parts in his, like, secret murder closet. 
<laughs> um, murder closet. Um, so anyways, uh, as she's walking down, now this is the... Uh, this scene is my favorite scene in the whole movie. This is when the Kung Fu Professor This is when out. out of nowhere, a blue tracksuited wearing Kung Fu Professor comes out of nowhere and starts throwing high kicks right at her face going, Hua! Hua! Entirely. And this is Bruce Le... Lee? Le... Lee? Le... Le... The, one of the many infamous Bruce uh, impersonators. Like Bruce Lee, yeah. Yeah, like Bruce Lai, L-I, or Dragon Lee, or my or Bruce Bruce, who was a real Bruce Lee impersonator. And so he just, like, kind of, like... Bruce? Yeah. He does, like, a bunch of, like, high kicks and wahs, and then she, like, falls backwards, and she pulls her gun, he kicks it out of her hand, she falls backwards, and kind of, like, kicks him in the balls, and he just falls over and goes to sleep on the ground. And then Kendall shows up on his dirt bike, it sounds like a chainsaw, yeah. but it turns out it's, it's, it's the only time bike. we ever see him on this dirt bike. Yeah. Like, we hear what we think is a chainsaw, but it turns out it's a dirt bike. And then he rides up, and he's like, hey, oh. Are you right? Are you all right? And she's like, yeah, this guy just came out of nowhere and attacked me. And all of a sudden, the Bruce Lee gets up, and he's like, oh, what's happening? He's like, oh, I, uh, I don't know. I was out jogging, and then next thing I know, I wake up on ground. And you're like... And I'm I'm impersonating his impersonation of a Chinese person. Also, Kendall is at this moment. He's like, "Oh, that's my kung fu professor. professor. What's going on?" And he's like, "Oh, it must have been some bad chop suey. Catch you later." And then he runs away. And no, even, he says so so wrong, so wrong. So oh, right. he doesn't yeah, say so yeah, long. Yeah, I, he doesn't I say so it. long. He says so wrong. Oh, um, yeah. And then he oh, runs away. Yeah. So what do you guys make of this scene? Like, what's that? It's, all it's about? interesting. It's an artifact. Uh, I think it's I, just for fun. I think it's an, I think it's the producer being like, "Hey, my buddy Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee is in town right now. Can he be in the scene?" And the director's like, "What? How do we get fit a kung fu scene?" Right, because you can't have another bad guy. There's only one bad guy in this. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure that character, the kung fu professor, is a bad guy because he meant to attack that woman, and he just got but, caught. But in in reality, the only bad think, guy in this is. The bad guy. I also, I also felt up. like the kung fu professor was he just surprised. Alone. He was taken unawares by this woman with a flashlight, and he was like, "Really? Wah, wah. You're, you're, making, you're making a big leap there, because he yeah. he is he it's, enters it's the a scene, big enough leap to have jumping him in the, film. the high kick at her head. It's a self defense by kicking first. That's right. He could have just said hi. You know, there's a murderer on campus. He's a little, He's a little on ahead, but they, no one knows there's a murderer on campus. I think the faculty does. No. No, because remember the the one woman oh, she's right, talking about. Right, she's right. like, she, I'm just a little worried, you know. There's yeah, a killer yeah, on yeah, campus. They spread the word. Well, are we supposed to think that Bruce Lee is the bad guy? No, for, obviously not. No. For like a brief second, maybe. Yeah, the the kung fu faculty are on edge. <laughs> <laughs> that whole department, those 600 members. Yeah, they're very concerned. Um, but yeah, so Kendall and her are like, hey, how about I give you a ride back to your house? And she's like. I just have to find my gun first. And it's like, you should be a little more concerned. Like, she was kind of like, let me just find my gun. I fell. I dropped on the ground. So at this point, they ride off, and we see the reporter coming in. And it turns out that she's retracing the steps of Mary. And she goes inside the building that Mary was just about to enter, but she is followed by our killer. She 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 pops into a sauna, chainsaw in the sauna. She's like, okay, yeah. that's yeah. normal. Oh, no, sorry, the killer goes in, and she follows the killer, right? She spots yeah. the killer, who was stalking Mary. The killer goes into this building. She follows the killer into the building, which is apparently their their spa area, because it contains a sauna and a waterbed. By the way, they early on in, like, scene two of the movie, the students joke, like, oh, did you hear they just installed a waterbed in the gym? That's great. And then one student says something about, like, there's nothing better than getting high and having sex on a waterbed. These students are constantly talking about making it with this person and that person. Yeah, I don't think much studying gets done at this school. <laughs> um, 
It's it's an eighties school. Although and getting stoned and having sex on a water bud does sound like a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of work. Although what happens yeah. later, Kit? What happens later? Seasickness. Scurvy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. no, there's a scene later scurvy, when someone is getting oh, well, slaughtered that's, that's on what the we're water getting to now. So the reporter, uh, for some reason, there's a waterbed in this gym. Gym. I don't know why. Student spa. So this is the uh, scene you were referencing earlier where the knife yeah. goes right near her head. So uh, the killer, she follows the killer in. She looks into a sauna, sees there's, hmm, there's a chainsaw here. I guess the killer's close by. But it turns out the killer was hiding in the shadow, shadows in the sauna. And then the killer takes a knife... Apparently there's like a full butcher It's a big room kitchen knife. In, a it's big like one kitchen of those big ones. In, in the gym. In the gym know. for some reason. You know, for when you need to practice your knife throwing. Yep. Um, Sounds and legit. He follows her into the room with the waterbed. He, this is a scene that the director very much didn't want to shoot because they were using a real knife against the actress. And again, he got overruled by the producers. And I think even the actress herself was like, no, no, it's cool. Like, use the knife. And so like a knife comes very close to like getting her right in the forehead but it sticks into the door she runs away and then they go to the waterbed where he throws her on the waterbed and he winds up like stabbing the knife down into the waterbed puncturing the waterbed and then stabbing her repeatedly before he stabs her in the back of the head which comes out the front of her mouth and uh, she is dead and then he drags her body away where, where does it go from there guys So after uh, what's her face gets a knife uh, through the back of her head, Sylvia gets a knife through the back of her head and out her mouth. Oh, this is when Kendall tries to get frisky with Mary when he brings her to her doorstep and she's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And he's like, "Uh, aren't you going to make some coffee? And she's like, I'll see you tomorrow and kisses him on the cheek. And then he turns around and sees this like. No, no. Uh. She kisses him on the cheek when they do their goodbyes, and then he's like, aren't you going to make coffee? Then she's like, no, maybe another time, and then kisses him on the lips. Why on the lips? No, it was yeah, on the yeah, cheek. Yeah. No, no, she It was, she it was a peck. It was, it was a very, it was it like. It was a peck, but it was on the lips still, and it was like, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Isn't she just like undercover? And this is like three minutes after this dude is boning. Um, the other Mary? The, the screamer, Mary. yeah. Yeah, the Mary that wanted to be gagged. Yeah. Yes. So, anyways, um, what happens next? Oh, just well, where are we not, next, guys? Like the guy, the way this guy carries his chainsaw around, too. Oh, it's awesome! It's like right at his waist. You can mm -hmm. see it in the shadows. It's like his big chainsaw mm -hmm. dick. Oh, it's a very, it's a very phallic <laughs> image. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, way for big. Yeah, exactly. Wait, this was actually a very busy night for him because um, the killer also then stalks the, the night of a thousand screams. Ooh. I just got chills, guys. I just got chills. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he stalks somebody else. Uh, yeah, the uh, the aerobics. So he goes back to the aerobics uh, school, and there's right. one student working on her. On well, her isn't there like a transition scene of like the puzzle being put together? Right, 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 right. Because as he, as he's uh, collecting body parts, he also like finishes a little bit more of the puzzle of uh, the, the naked lady and then he goes to the where where does he go from there guys i think he's working on the legs right now right so he oh yeah we skipped uh so the the reporter was killed fourth um before then he does kill the 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 aerobics girl we missed right, her sorry we missed her because it kind of like all blended together but he uh so he goes how he does that so the kendall is out and about working on his motorcycle and is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> yes, working on his motorcycle. And then he um, 
Well, here's the screen, but we're jumping ahead. So this is Knight. Uh, the one aerobics enthusiast is working out by herself, and he follows her. She takes forever to get dressed, and then as soon as she leaves the room, he walks into it, holding the chainsaw in a very Freudian manner. Yes, um, yes. I'll put it that way. And so he follows her down. She, like, goes through this maze of corridors again, goes into she's the... She's getting worried. Like, yeah, she's, she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm spooked. Yeah, and he's walking very slow and methodical yeah and then, she's power walking and uh, yeah. she starts the elevator she starts running but meanwhile it's just these friggin loafers just step slowly step mm-hmm. step that's what step. our killer wears loafers and then she gets to the elevator and before she has a chance most to the bizarrest button, location for an elevator too it's also a weird obviously elevator. not an actual elevator no no <laughs> um it's a glass door it's a glass door that, that swings out it's like a glass partition with a door at the end um, and that's, that's their elevator. That's it's their like elevator. a study room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she she reaches out to hit the button, but someone's hand... And also the, the floors are all on the outside, I realize. Mm-hmm. And someone... Uh, the floor buttons, that is the, like, the individual, like, you know, one through ten are on the outside of the elevator and on the inside. So she reaches out to touch it, but a hand cuts her off and pushes the button first. And she's like, oh, it's you. And you, realizes, sir. Oh, it's you, sir. That's what she you realize she knows her killer. And it's a sir. It's somebody it's she has sir. to so respect to deference yes. yeah and so so it's not friggin groundskeeper willard <laughs> no she wouldn't call willard. no one calls <laughs> willard, willard sir willard sir <laughs> mr groundskeeper sir yeah so anyways um she walks in first not that there's anything wrong with that no 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 no, 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 no. sorry yeah. i just had to throw that in there it's always good right of course of course so um how's your arm doing there kit uh, my my heroin habit Sorry, I got a, a blood sample taken today in my... <laughs> you don't need to share that. Listeners don't need to know. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, and so, uh, what was I going to say? Um, uh, where yeah, we? oh, like, right, so, so, so somehow he's... He's, he's, he's hidden in the chainsaw. chainsaw. This giant chainsaw, he's just holding it behind his back and she doesn't notice it. And then she gets into the elevator and says, like, aren't you coming in, sir? And then he's like, all right. And then he walks in holding the chainsaw behind him. Holding the chainsaw him. in front of him. At this point, behind, oh, behind him at first when he goes in, and then when she's when they're in the elevator, she just doesn't look down while he holds the chainsaw in front of them. It's not until later on when he like he literally fires it up first, and then she looks down and screams like, "Oh my god, there's a chainsaw!" I think she hits the button, and then he hits the stop. He button. hits the stop button, and then she, and then, then she off realizes. goes her arm. Yeah, so he like cuts off one arm, and then she lifts her hand up to be like, "Oh no!" and cuts that arm off as well because he's trying to get arms for his puzzle. And then Kendall and the cops come. I love yeah, how Kendall's Kendall, always there. He's Kendall always like leads right the cops. next door. I know he's he should be the killer. He should have been the killer. Um, he would be their chief suspect. Yeah, totally. He's like, always where the murders. And at. He Nobody always, ever accuses Kendall. And of he always leads the police exactly to where the murder happens. That too. It's like he knows where it always is. So he literally any other movie, he would be like a suspect. It would be like in his mistaken identity. Yeah, it, w- it would be like a, you're you're the killer, aren't you? He's like, no, I got to prove no, my innocence. No, not the killer. Yeah, but, no, but they're like, no, no, this kid can help this, us. This out. guy's like, man, he's like a savant. He knows exactly where the killer is. <laughs> Deputize this boy. Which made him look boy. even guiltier. <laughs> Super guilty. Yeah, he's, um, he's an honorary cop. Except for the 40 years thing, I guess. That's the only thing that... But the 40... Oh, yeah. Again, it could have gone any way, right? Mm-hmm. The that could have been a red herring. The yeah. killer could have been reformed. He could have been the police officer that was like, I made a mistake when I was a child, and I'll never do it again. Um, so then we jump to... So then, like, so Kendall leads the cops in, and he's, like, ordering them around, like, you do this, you do that. <laughs> you know, like, I'm in charge of this <laughs> this department, damn it. Uh, and then they open up the door, and there's the, the armless lady... The cops come, and this is one like my favorite scene, one of my other favorite scenes in the movie because all the suspects line up in a row, 
It's like we have two, yeah. Willard, we have the Dean, we have Kendall, we have the Dean's secretary, we have Professor Brown, and they're all standing there, and the cop's just like, man, I wonder who could be doing this. And like it cuts to all these four people standing in a row, and there's lightning flashing outside. It's wonderful. It would have been amazing if that was the end. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Over. It's just oh, like a locked room scenario. So much more, <laughs> there's a smoking, uh, there's the rubbing chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, but as Lil said, it ended so much better. Yeah. Yes. So uh, where do we go from there, guys? Well, then we, because we'd already skipped ahead to the reporter and the kung fu. Um, the kung oh, fu is this is this when the girl is practicing tennis and then the the sound system comes on? So yeah, after, so after the reporter then gets killed and he gets his yeah. legs because mm-hmm. he's going for body parts. So now he just needs feet. Um, and yeah, so the very next day he's, he's working quick now. He's got a, he's, cause I guess the body's decaying that he's, he's storing these body parts somewhere. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, the tennis star, she's just playing tennis with herself. Not, she's not, 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 she's not, not a tennis Mar- star. sorry, not Mary the tennis star, the person she was playing against in that, in that one brief scene yeah. of tennis. Uh, she's playing tennis by herself, uh, and then the speakers come on really loud, so she can't play tennis, so she's like, all right, I'll go have a shower. Yeah, they're playing this real, really obnoxious, uh, marching band music. Yeah. Like this traditional one that always plays in, uh, it was played in uh, Dawn of the Dead as well. It's like a generic like. It's the original song that na 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 So anyway. So she goes to shower, we get some more gratuitous nudity, because that's what this film is all about. Oh yeah. And then of course Mr Mr Loafers, Mr. Shadow Loafers. He enters and uh, pursues this girl with a... She's just, you know, dressed from the waist down. He's he got his chainsaw But I would say, this girl instantly doesn't freeze in fear. She's like, I'm getting out of here. And yeah. she bolts. At least she does that. Yeah, she bolts. And then she, unfortunately, finds herself trapped in a washroom. Now, this is, in reality, when the scene was happening again, they were using a live chainsaw to cut through the door while the girl was leaning against it. And she lost control of her faculties and urinated on herself. The director kept that in the film because he liked it as a nice touch. Um, and then she yeah, gets. Yeah, so it's a close-up mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, she gets a horrendous. De- like this is full-on chainsaw. Bisected. She gets cut in half. As the and as the lieutenant Bracken keeps saying, he cut her in half while she was still alive. God damn it! Like yeah, it's he's just really upset about that part. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, his ineptitude is, is led causing, to all yeah. these deaths. Like, if, if, if they had just notified the, this, the, yeah, student, the student body, body, hey, there's a killer on on campus. Be precautious. Don't yeah. be alone. Then these they people wouldn't have died. Here's the thing. They don't even do the thing of, like, you could have just used the Jaws thing of, like, if we tell people there's a killer, people will, like, demand refunds and our university will be sunk. Well, that's, that's what the dean says, but, I but mean... But not really. He's just kind of like, we have to keep everything bad, as normal. But bad publicity. We can't let the media know. Yes. Um, but Freaking honestly, by the there. third kill, the cop would be like, no, the, the yeah. students need to know. We'll release it if you won't, yeah. Yeah. Although apparently if you if you looked into crime on university campus... There'd be so many they, lawsuits they, stemming they, Oh, this. I know, but the thing is, <laughs> university campuses tend to try and squash like on crime. Like, they try to get people to like not go to court or crime, especially when it comes to rape or sexual assault or violence. Yeah, yeah and they get sued. They, yeah. they, get, they get accused. They get sued for that. Yeah, shit. but most of them get away with it, unfortunately. Um, so where are we then? All right, so at this point, Kendall and Mary... 
um, are like coming out and they go to um, to Willard and it's like is that it, can we get that thing off? And he's like, they must be testing the sound system. And they're like, can't Fucking you? Willard again, this guy. I, I know. just love him. He's always like just looking comes guilty. comes in so suspicious. And it looks like he's like, he's as you said, he's got parts. like a bag full of body parts. And he's like, oh, well, I better put these back here suspiciously. Yeah. Yeah, because he it's comes so out of the side room. And I think it's like the roughly around the same area where the, where the girl got chainsawed. Yeah. Decapitated. This big grin on his face that says nothing but I just killed somebody mm-hmm. with a chainsaw. As he's winking at the audience like, guess what I just did, folks? You know me. And I have blood on my hands because I touched it. Oh, yeah, that's right. He touches something and he's like, hmm, there's blood on my hands. Um, so at this point... Um, kind of like when he handled that bloody chainsaw yeah. earlier on in the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Or he's like, yeah. mm. Oh, and uh, you listeners might be wondering, how come Willard's still walking around? Didn't they arrest him? Didn't didn't he beat up a bunch of cops? They didn't have enough evidence to keep yeah, him. Yeah, they didn't. Fingers on the murder weapon, blood on his... Literal blood on his hands with the chainsaw that the he chainsaw used. The chainsaw that he owns. That he owned to... Yeah. Like, and unless, right Kendall, unless Kendall says he needs to be arrested, there won't be that happening. Nah. They didn't suspect him at all. Like, the, no, the, like, scene, the scene hmm. right after that... Uh, Lawrence is like, we've got a killer on the loose somewhere, and we don't know where he is. To Willard. <laughs> In the interrogation room. Yeah. Can you help us? It's, it's the most useless detective oh in the world. So anyways, um... Where are we um, oh, so anyways, so, so the killer... Uh, we're getting he, to the he, bastards he, part. Yeah, but the killer, he's trying on the shoes mm-hmm. of the, his no, latest no, no, victim. No, we're, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Oh. We still have the rest no, of that scene. So, Mary and Kendall. Those bastards. Yeah. Oh, so Mary and Kendall. Have to turn off the sound system. They go through, there's a whole bunch of like nonsense of course, plot of where we I have to go my through favorite part. sound system issues, and the Willard's like, I don't have the key to turn off the sound system. You and there's only a phone. Only the dean has that the, key. There's, yes. a few, there's a few hints yeah, here too. Yeah. Only the janitor, the janitor's room has a phone, and no one's allowed to use it. And she's like, Come on, we gotta call the dean's office to get that door opened up. And then he goes to like the room where there's the sound system. And he's like, these aren't my keys, which I still don't understand. And he goes to touch the something, and, the, and she's like... taking his keys and replaced them. Yeah, and then she goes to touch something, and... No, she, no, he goes to touch Mary, something, yeah, and Mary he... Tells yeah, Mary tells her, like, yeah. no, you'll tamper with the evidence. Just in case this is evidence. Yeah. They don't even know there's a dead body yet. And then he but. touches it anyways to turn off the music. And then they go, and it turns out Kendall has, like, found the girl dead in the shower. And she, he's vomiting this time. Yeah. So, Mary, sometimes he's, you know, like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. another one. And this was pretty gruesome, though, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then when she goes in, she comes out, and she's like, while we were dealing with that stupid sound system, you killed her, you bastard. Uh, she bastard. repeatedly screams, Bastards! Bastards! Thanks for blowing my eardrum, kid. <laughs> and uh, that was really good. That was that was really good. It, it's it, that's that's her Oscar bait. I don't yeah. know clip there. She's going for it. Now at this point, I think uh, what happens doesn't uh, Lieutenant Bracken like he razzes his detective and says like, "Read those files faster," because it like his lieutenant. He's, he's his, upset about this one. Yeah, because yeah. his his partner, who I actually think is a decent police officer, he's like, "We gotta actually do like some background checks. Let's read through the files of the city records." And he's like, I need help. Send me that boy. Send me yeah, Kendall. Yeah, Leslie Nielsen's doing all the grunt work <laughs> while Lieutenant Bracken's trying to find a life for match. You yeah. can't find one match in the entire city of Boston. Oh, um, leave him alone. He's good. I yeah. liked him, but I he's like, useless. We all like him, but he's it's just kind of like, he, he would be, like, I kind of think, like, this is what happened to Barney Fife when he, like, got older. 
Remember Barney Fife from uh, the Andy Griffith show? Deputy Fife? Don no. Knotts? I know Don Knotts. I know Don Knotts, but I've never watched the Andy Griffith I, show. I did used to watch the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, I know on. who you were talking you about. Know, I was you just... know, you know, you jerk. I, I know the Apple Dumpling Gang from Family Channel as a kid, but... Uh, okay. Anyways. He was an inept police officer that they only gave one bullet to, which he could not keep in his gun. Because he would fire, go off the handle too quickly. Anyways, long story short, Kendall and so Mary he goes... He wasn't... No, that cop was nothing like Fife. He was so even worse. Right. <laughs> no, no. He, I mean, we all liked him because he... Looked like Willem Dafoe's dad. <laughs> he had a way about him. He was nice about approaching things, and he worded things nicely. Um, but yeah, it's just bad police work. It's terrible. That's it. Terrible police Not work. Not good police work. Finally, uh, finally, Leslie Nielsen takes over the, uh, the investigation. <laughs> and he actually finds it like, hey, and that then, Dean killed his mom when he was 10 years old. Well, in the even same before fashion. that, he's, he's like, uh, so I'm going to send that kid to work with you. And Leslie Nielsen is like, the kid is like a suspect. Why are you, what are you <laughs> why, doing? Why, why are you involving him in our investigation? What is, what is with you and this kid? You're giving him inside information <laughs> to like avoid getting arrested. So then uh, Mary goes to visit the Dean. Now, Dean does a very well, she first she first runs into Mr. Brown on campus. Right. And Mr. Brown is kind of just like, he's oh, a weirdo. very suspicious. Like, yeah. oh, I don't give a shit. He's like Captain Suspicious. And then um, she goes he's to the... He's got mis- like a rinky dink mustache, too. He's like Mr. Suspicious. You kind of feel that uh, he would be like clutching a, a handkerchief or something to blot out his, his sweat if it was the summer. Um, I'm going to cut that part out because it wasn't funny. <laughs> okay, well, you've got the power to do that. I do. I'm the editor. Um, so she then, uh, after talking to Mr. Suspicious, she then goes to visit the dean, and the dean's like, oh, I was just making some tea. Would you like some tea? Or I guess you Americans before coffee. And she's like, oh, I love some coffee. And he's like, with cream and sugar, like very snidely about it. And she's like, just cream, please. And he's like, ah, I should have known from Boston because um, of Boston cream. No, but also he, he's kind of got that creepy line, but he redeems it a little. He's yeah. like, I wouldn't think you need to watch your figure. Oh, yeah. Playing tennis all the time, as you do. Yeah, like, so oh, anyways, okay, we, and at this point, we see him making instant coffee, and he, like, takes out a very suspicious-looking suspicious vial of something with a dropper in it, and he, like, puts drops in her. It's clearly poison. The hot Cosby, as you said, kid. <laughs> that's, that's, a South, <laughs> that's a That's a, a joke, I guess, from South Park. I the hot know. Cosby. It, it, it does yep. uh, bend the, uh, the lines of good taste, that one. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the hot Cosby. Yep. So then, uh, where do we go from there? Um, well, finally, they they. Oh, sorry, Lillian, go ahead. Well, no, they they sit down to the coffee, and I guess it's not kicking in. Yeah. She <laughs> she compliments the cream, and he's like, "How about another?" Well, and then she's like, "You know, uh, if, uh, this investigation is not going well enough. We'll have to do a full search." It's like, oh, would you like some more coffee? <laughs> and she's Don't like, want you doing that. And she's just only taking maybe like a sip of her uh, cup, her yeah. first cup and of coffee. He like goes in, like you puts probably in want another coffee, don't you? <laughs> and, then, and then like, almost like we we joke that he like dumps we the violin. But he he like gives a good old squirt of the the, the poison <laughs> right in the he coffee. He adds in a few more, it's like to, just for uh, just for kicks. Yeah. Um, and uh, and meanwhile, then at the uh, the office, they're they're going through the files. Mm-hmm. Um, Making some headway. I don't think the kid contributes anything no, to this at he, all. No, he might have gotten Wendy's for them, but I severely doubt it. Um, then, uh, the so he's asked to go through the files and note anything that has any mention of the faculty. 
Yes, ends bizarre murders. But then Leslie Nielsen is the one that finds it, isn't he? Well, Pretty I sure. think maybe the kid's like, oh, uh, here's something. Here's something he on the dean. He at least announces, it was the dean! And they're like, oh, God. And then she, and then he's like, oh, no, Mary's with, meeting with her right now. And he's like, okay, kid, you stay here and call Kendall. No, wait, what am I saying? Come with me. We'll radio him from the car. Um, or call call Bracken. And so they, they get into the car. They both... And this is when, like, 70s cop music kicks in hard. Like, oh, hell like yeah, Phil was yeah. mentioning it kind of sounded like a goblin score. It sounded like a, the goblin score totally, of an Italian yeah. police thriller. Kicks in, and the cops are all there, like, Bracken, Leslie Nielsen, and Kendall. And upstairs... Um, uh, Mary has like become paralyzed from this and the dean is like I know you can hear me but you can't move I need to cut your feet off to make sure they fit my thing and he's rolling out the plastic, plastic. So don't yeah, want to okay. make a mess because I was, I was I was trying to mention earlier the uh, previous feet that he'd gotten from the tennis player did not didn't, fit the shoes yeah the shoes didn't fit his mother's shoes yeah it was like and a, he's got a really he's got some really fancy digs so yeah he yeah so he doesn't want to mess up his like his uh, his apartment or his yeah his, his abode doesn't want any blood on his loafers or anything like that yeah, yeah his, his black loafers but it's his study it's his like his university dean study it's very nice very posh looking i was gonna ask something but it's a spoiler alert so no no I'll spoil away wait. we're at the end of the film so the body that comes out at the end and falls on top of one of them that's the body that he put together yeah of the different body parts yeah okay yep so anyways he's about to do this but then him and the cops come in and, and like um What's and it's supposed to be his mother, basically. He's putting her back together, right? I guess. I think so, or he's just like making his own puzzle, and or like, well, I think because it like, has something to do with his mother, because he wants to dress in his mother's dress. Yeah. I guess. In her mother, it was. He wants to make her whole again after he'd ah. taken her apart. Ah, yeah, exactly. Because exactly. he, we saw him chopping her up earlier. So. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, uh, the cops come the in. The cops come in, and, and they, he... they like, well, no, but wait, like Lieutenant uh, Bracken is like, okay, kid, this is as far as you go, and Kendall's like, what? You can't not let me come in now. I've come so far. And he's like, all right, but you stay back. And then Leslie <laughs> Nielsen is like, all right, come on in. That might be very dangerous, but yeah. sure. And Leslie Nielsen is just... Can't to, say no to you. Leslie Nielsen says to him, like, okay, the second someone fires a shot, you hit the deck, okay? And he's like, oh, all right. And then he kept trying to, like, go in the door first, but J- Bracken had to keep pulling him back. It was great. Like, both times, like... This kid like, is the worst. The he's, like, not helpful. And then Bracken shoots the door, and they kick the door, in, and he's missing. And these are how bad these cops are. Because they're like, we can't find him. He disappeared. And he Kendall, must be on foot somewhere. Yeah, go, go help out Mary meanwhile, Kendall. Meanwhile, he's like the dean's ruffling the curtains. He's like, hiding behind the curtain in the room that they are in. They could have seen his I shoes. Couldn't see him anywhere. His damn loafers are peeking out from that curtain. He was there all along. So they're like, you, you stay with Mary, and we'll go chase down the devil. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Why I'm using a transatlantic try, try, accent yeah, now, no. but <laughs> and and uh, and the and Braxton's just like, you know, get her up and, and walk her around a bit. And it's just, like, to make her feel better. And you're like, what? And then Kendall, like, gets her up while Mary the whole time is, like, kind of, like, eyeballing, like, the corner. And and then he, he's literally like, oh, well, what's up? Oh, we'll just get you walking. Look, you're walking around. Hey, you're walking around. And then all of a sudden, now, and then all of a sudden uh, some Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we should point out that we joke that it's called Wendy because they clearly didn't get permission or where the company that printed them up in, in Spain didn't understand that Wendy's was plural. So, or an apostrophe s rather, a possessive. So it's uh, it's just Wendy on the on the packets. Uh, they they got Wendy's fast food containers, and it just said Wendy. On Maybe it. in nineteen eighty two, the package just said Wendy. Who knows? Well, I don't think don't so. Know. We don't know. I don't think it's so. It's the same Wendy girl, and it's the yellow package. But you know. or they were trying to avoid um, They're being issues. sued. Yeah, it seems strange they couldn't have just gotten some packages from the states. But like they that would have been that would have been a lot of money. It would have been cheaper just because you would have to buy it and then ship it over and make sure it doesn't get. 
damaged. They could have just printed up some cups. There was probably just paper that they, like, printed it up and then, like, taped it around. Like, the art department just painted it or something. I entertain the thought that maybe in Spain there was a bootleg Wendy's Ooh, franchise. That'd be yeah. awesome. Always possible. Yep. So, anyways, the dean comes out. Uh, Kendall drops Mary, and she just lands flat on her head on the ground. And yeah, she does a full-blown face plant, yeah. Yeah, and so he is fighting with the dean. The dean gets him down, and he's, like, he's got, his got a knife. kitchen knife out again. And... All of a sudden, Lieutenant Bracken just kind of like casually walks in again. He's like, oh, shit, there he is. And he shoots and hits point blank on the forehead. Yep. Thank you for not cursing. That'll be one less bleep I have to put in. Uh, I heard you almost say right in the forehead. 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 Okay. And then he's dead. And then we think this is the ending. And then guess what? So they get up and it's like, oh, kid, God, uh, let's let's cover up the body. Let's get Mary well, out of they, here. Well, they got they they put Mary on the couch. They're like, okay, you're good now. And then uh, yeah. the detective walks by her, and I didn't realize they're a married couple. But he, yeah, he caresses, he caresses her, her face while she can't do anything <laughs> or move or stop. But talk. she smiles. She's like, oh, I like this. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, friggin' Kendall, friggin' boy wonder. <laughs> he's like, all right, I know it'll cheer up. Let me prop her up into a sitting position, and then sit beside her and oh, put my yeah. arm around her. Yeah. It's like, go away, kid. Mm-hmm. She's <laughs> And then, so while they're there, Leslie Nielsen comes back in, and he's like, oh, kid, like, you never know this job. It's sometimes, and he puts his arm, like, on a bookshelf, and then oh, well, he like, falls down. The bookshelf spins around, and that's where the dead body is. The dead body falls off of the... The, the dead bodies. The it's dead bodies assembled, yeah. But collecting. we skipped the part where they find the puzzle. Oh, right. The, uh, Which in the wide shots, it's a, yes. it's a blue puzzle. In close up, it's the it's a different yeah. puzzle. In, yeah. In the wide shot, it's a painting. Yeah. And I don't think it's a nude painting either. No, I think it's just I think it's just they needed something in the box, and then they yes. didn't realize that the camera's pointing at it. So then, so as the as the as Leslie Nielsen like leans against the wall, which causes the secret doorway to open up, the dead body spills out, which rips out of the dress. So he gets some very uncomfortable nudity, and it lands on Kendall, and Kendall is just like ah! Oh, the the mo- the most epic screaming! Like I don't, I don't even know. It's so minutes. prolonged, like yeah. a like a like a baby all of a sudden. He's yeah. like Wah! But the funny is, the actress that played the body was smiling. <laughs> she's, in the yeah, shot. she's she's, she's smiling because like, he's at. He's so miserable. He's screaming so so strangely. <laughs> she's just trying to stifle her laugh. And you think that's ending... She's going like full Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, and you think that's ending num- number... You think so, it's so over? Yeah, there's a sheet over this... This next Frankenstein body. Yeah. monster thing. Yeah, it would be like... It would be a perfect freeze frame shot, but... No, but there's, no. there's still more. They've got to do the third ending. This is the, you know, Return of the King of, uh, get, of Spanish oh, horror we've, movies. Oh, we've cut where he grabs, like, the dirty f***ing... Oh, the b- dirty sorry, blanket. you got to bleep that. The dirty, uh, the dirty blanket. car sheet that he, he just throws on. Like oh, yeah, that he throws on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, he, so like, Lieutenant Bracken's like, cover that body up. So, like, that's from the trunk of my car. And there's this, like, dirty, <laughs> rotten, old, oil-stained blanket that, <laughs> that Leslie Nelson just haphazardly, like, chucks at the corpse. And, like, he just lands on the corpse. Like, you st- it doesn't really cover much. It's just, like, like a big ball, like, vump. It's good. But then there's a, a white blanket covering the uh, the Frankenstein monster. Frankenstein monster, monster yeah. Um, and, and the kid's looking at it. Uh, Kendall's looking at it. And, and he's just like, hey, kid, don't brood over that. Like, literally, not speaking metaphorically, speaking literally, do not brood over the dead body. <laughs> and Kendall's like, oh, I guess so. You still want to be a cop, son? And he's like, oh, yeah, just try and stop me. <laughs> he's a weirdo. Um, and then he's like, let me just get my jacket. And he goes back, and then the corpse reaches up, grabs him by the balls, and squishes them. And blood spurts blood gushes out. out. And he screams. Cut to credits. Yeah. Freeze frame. Freeze 
Pre-stream cut to credits. So there's an interesting thing behind that. I don't know if I mentioned it already. In the, did I mention already in the podcast about the injury that occurred during that the filming yes, of that scene? Yes, you did. Okay. Yeah. So I won't regurgitate it now. But yeah, so that and, and, and this body was covered with another similarly yeah. disgusting uh, car blank, trunk blanket. Yeah. So guys, white though at least. I mean, yeah. So guys, that was pieces. So uh, we've been talking for over an hour and twelve minutes about pieces. Phil, what are your final thoughts on pieces? I enjoy this one. This is my second time watching it. Uh, the first time I caught it was at your uh, one of your movie nights. Yep, that was two years ago. It's, has it already been two years? Yeah, on a double bill with the uh, Beyond. Yeah. Oh my god, that time that flies. Was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, this movie's preposterous and skeevy, but yet so enjoyable. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and yeah, else? the ending makes no sense, but it doesn't matter. It's satisfying. Yes. It gives you that little last thing of like, you thought it was over? Oh, no, it's not. You think it's over? Oh, no, it's not. You think it's over? <laughs> now it is. Yeah, they do it just because they can. Yeah, uh, there was uh, quite a bit of stuff not making sense, but it doesn't matter type of thing. Totally. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was good. It was... Uh, it was well played too. Like I like the detectives, as I said, and the dean was well played too. Very well played. Yes, the pompous, pompous dean. That crusty old dean. Kit, what are your final thoughts he on? Dean. Yes, what are your final thoughts on pieces? This is your first time watching it. Yes, it is. Yes. So these aren't really your final thoughts. I shouldn't say that they're the final thoughts. I think it's final thought for the show on pieces. Uh, yeah, that would have to be it. Um, it's an interesting film. It has some <laughs> some neat parts to it, I guess. Just like the things that we were discussing that are baffling sometimes. Sometimes strangely warm, like the, the casting of the detectives. Uh, overall, I, I didn't really like it that much. Sorry, guys. Wow. You it's, didn't like it that it's, much. It's such a greasy, skeevy film. Okay. It's, it's really misogynistic, too. Yeah. Yeah, deeply. Yep. Uh, and as we found out, uh, the filmmakers are pretty skeevy guys. Yeah, we I found some hidden content on the Blu-ray. You weren't here for that. They're little. all just leering like, oh, yeah, we had the casting coach for these girls. They all had to come in nude. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So, Lillian, <laughs> what's your final thought on uh, on pieces for the podcast? Yeah. Um, I... I didn't know what to expect watching it because I know you've screened it like a few times before and I think I might have seen the trailer, but I, yeah, have I seen it? You've seen the trailer for sure. I've shown it many times. And there was one movie that I always mix up with this one. Um, they were screening it at the Royal a while back. Um, uh, and I think that might, might have been an Australian one. I don't know why I mix it up with this one. It was also like slasher... Um, anyway. Wolf Creek? No. Uh, when I remember, I'll tell you guys. Okay. Um, it's come up a few times, but I don't remember. I can't. The, the name escapes me right now. Um, Black Christmas? No. Odd. Okay. But what are your thoughts, though? I can picture one of the guys in it anyway. Um... Yeah, my thoughts. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, it was a neat little uh, neat little plot. 
I thought it might be a little bit darker, but I, 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 it's dark in its own way, but there's just so much not explained, which is okay. Which you is don't okay. Need to explain it everything. works. Yeah, it's good. I think the goofiness far outweighs the darkness. I, in this I'll movie. be honest, like they, like his scream there when the body falls on him made you me laugh hard. out loud. You laughed hard a lot of times <laughs> in this movie, and also the the final like uh, cut to black where the body grabs his crotch and it doesn't. I make think any if sense. we hadn't discovered that bonus feature, you might have had a better like some maybe. But too. I was already thinking like this is such a I don't know. Yeah, when stuff isn't explained... That I've seen so many of these. Uh, we've watched them on the, the thing, like uh, the Graduation Day, the, the podcast. We've watched them Graduation Day, and it just it's like paint by numbers. It's the same kind of story again and again and this again. This was not the same film. kind of story. In a way, it was, though. It's a young girl gets separated, then she's brutally murdered. And then we, uh, we wait for another victim to kind of present herself, then she's brutally murdered. Um, and it happens four or five times, and then the killer gets killed, and then that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, this film, like, the, the European films had a lot, bit more misogyny to them than, like, Western slasher films. Oh, it, um, it, you can feel it. Yeah. It's a little a little bit extra than the uh, your standard slasher. Lilina, what, 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 before we cut you off, what were you about to say? Um, I don't know. I don't remember now. Your Thumbs final up? final thought? Thumbs up? Did you enjoy I, this I, movie? I, I, I'm not I, sure. If, I'm not I sure see, if you enjoyed I it or not. I see where you're going, Kit. Um... But I don't know. I guess overall, I enjoyed it more for the for the most part. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was it was cool. It had some neat scenes too. Very cool. Um, I guess for my final thought, yes, Phil. Yeah, like I'm. I agree with Kit, but usually I'm much harsher on misogynistic mm-hmm. movies. But for some reason, but this I movie like is so like, stupid. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, I, that I allowed some leniency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it I, does have a goofy quality to it, which is interesting. Like the the character. What part, ho- like what bothered what part bothered you so much that made it so? Oh, just the the, the repetition of the the murdering of topless women. It's uh that only happened three twice. or four times. Twice in the shower and in the and in the pool. Yeah, but then also the reporter, like, we get it to see her strung up dead naked. Uh, um, we? Yeah, we do. Oh, I don't recall that. Um, anyways, my final thoughts... I do. Is, <laughs> of course, <laughs> you focus on that stuff. Uh, I love this film. It's I think, I think, I think uh, basically, like, when, when stuff isn't explained, which is okay, trust me, like, I'm not, I'm not throwing anything here. Um, it's totally fine, and then it just means that there's got to be more emphasis put on other things, and I guess that would be um, <laughs> just slashing. I mean, putting these, cutting these people up, and just trying to get away with it. And I don't know what I'm saying. Never mind. No, oh, it was good. I got what you were saying. Never mind. It's like when not much is explained, you have to see like where the uh, where the other emphasis lies, and I think overall it kind of um, it was strung along pr- somewhat well. It's like an impressionist slasher film. So. Yeah. Well, it's also it's a European slasher film, so it took. So you got to remember, Europeans didn't really make slasher films. They made the giallos, which were much different beasts. And then the American slasher film took inspiration from the giallo, and then this was, you know, an American, uh, a Spanish attempt at a response to that. Like, in the filmography of this uh, director, this is the only film of this type. It's almost like they don't, 
when you watch a lot of foreign films like I do, like foreign action, action films and horror films, they this is actually probably low on the skeezy side because a lot of times they'll include rape scenes because they're like, oh, in, in horror films and, and action films, you have to have nudity. So how do what's a, a good way to get nudity that will then require revenge? Let's have uh, the bad guys rape the, the main character's sister or brother or whatever. Yeah, American, or American horror was yeah. big on that in the aughts. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, uh, that was a big trope that they oh, liked to play with. I know. So, and so did European horror. And so with this film, my final thought is I love this film. It's its goofiness outweighs its misogyny um and it's just you can't take it seriously like you can't the whole thing oh is i just, didn't i didn't i know i know and the whole but the whole thing about it too is just like this weird dean with the with a british accent and like the red herring he even says like so professor brown i think he's the killer he is after all a homosexual. I know, which makes me think the portrayal of uh, Professor Brown is—I don't—I don't know if he really is a homosexual. No, that's like, just what the, the I think the news is like. Do you know he tried to kill me once? And you're just like, wait, you didn't call the police when a man tried to like end your life? He's like, oh, I've overpowered him. I'm quite strong, you see. Like that's when he starts just, letting uh, he starts, the mask drop. He's though. in weird Vincent Price territory at that point. The best was him making the tea, though. It was just like, what? You want to do a search of the whole school? <laughs> no, let me just top up the <laughs> You coffee. need some more tea. Some yeah. more coffee, don't you? Yeah. Oh, you're going to do some more instant coffee. More coffee? Yes. Boom. And he's just, and he's like, you know, frantically like, <laughs> like just squeezing in all the, all the like, root, the Cosby juice, just right into the thing. You're just like, oh my God. It becomes like, almost like a Keystone cop situation. Yeah, and early on in the movie, the- <laughs> He gets so sort of defensive, like, no, nothing happened on campus. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Nothing. No, no. nothing. nothing. Nothing out of, out of the ordinary. I have to go. I have, to, I have no time to talk. But didn't you just say you were going to talk to her? No, I have no time to talk. Ah. <laughs> it isn't. Maybe I'm being too hard. I don't know. Like, not, all the all the male characters are useless, but then, like, we even do, your one like, slightly we, competent female character, you completely take her out of it by drugging her at the end. Yeah. So she becomes yeah, useless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, but that's also, like, you can't... This isn't an excuse, but it was of the time. However, in this movie's defense, for all the boobs we see... We, we do see, get to see some dick. We see our hero's enchilada. Yeah. Yeah. Is I'm he just, our hero, oh, though? That's our hero? I couldn't stand that I don't kid. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think our killer might be the hero in this movie. Um, I mean, I actually think yeah. the, tr- the, the, yeah. true, the true hero is Leslie Nielsen in this yes, movie. Yes, he is the unsung He's hero. He's the guy who's like, one. "Don't smoke around me." Like, why do we have this kid on the force? He's the only sensible we one. We need to do research, actual police work. Here, look through these files. He's stuck in the basement doing research, and uh, he cracks the case. And- yeah, and like. He's like, I need another day just to look at this while while the lieutenant is like, we gotta get people on the street, cops on the campus, and it's just like, just let me go through these files, I'm sure I can find something. And he did. Good old hard, you know, police work, like, nose to the grindstone, reading through those it's files. something they could have done on day one and cracked the case. Yeah, but they chose not to. They chose not to do that. Let's do the harder thing. Let's, let's send in an undercover agent. As bait, yeah. <laughs> let's... Let's deputize this uh, college kid. Without really deputizing him, while he is a suspect to all the murders. But well, well, Grim, what's uh, what's on the agenda for next week? I love how Lillian likes to like end this like by and like push this along. It's great. Um, on the agenda for next week, we are starting our series on the American Horror Project. So we will be watching Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. Ooh. Yeah. So we're dipping into horror for a little bit. And these are films that are not, they're not like jokey B-movies like uh, Pieces was. These films have a bit more, they're regional U.S. productions. um, And they were saved by Aero Films out of the U.K. because they were thought to have some significant 
important regional significance, uh, and they were largely uh, thought to be lost. So, we're, so the series contains uh, Malatesta's Carnival of Blood, The Witch Who Came In From The Sea, and um, uh, The Premonition is the third one. So we'll be watching those over the next few weeks. Uh, please join us. So, for Death By Video... I've been Phil. I've been Kit. I've been Lillian. And I've been Graham saying, please be sure to rewind. We will see you next time. Please follow us on Facebook, Death by Video Podcast. Follow us on SoundCloud, Death by Video. Follow us on Instagram at Death by Video Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Death by Video Pod. Shoot us an email at Death by Video Podcast at gmail.com. And keep on watching good movies. Good night. Bye bye. Good night. I have been out west to California. But I missed the land where I was born. I can't help it, dum de dum de dum 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 day. Oh, New England, dum de dum de dum 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 day. Oh, New England, ride a wild man. I have seen old Israel's arid plain. It's magnificent, but so's Maine. I'll talk it dum de dum de dum 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 day Oh New England Dum de dum de dum 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 day Oh New England right away This way, dum de dum de dum dum de oh New England, dum de dum de dum 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 de oh New England, go dum de dum de dum 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 de.